Brain Buster Boys are brought to you by Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Amount of my time, but it was yeah. good. That's that's exactly what I was I was gonna say. I was like, no, your sandwich was not free, man. You yeah. spent time. Yeah, like you spent time waiting for that. It's about this guy. I even even text him. I was like, it's gonna be like the best deli of all time to wait that long to get a sandwich. You know, us. like like I have a I have a relationship with, with this place. Like it's also a liquor store. Like I don't know. I, I really like going to this place, and it's like literally they make you a sandwich that like you can make at home. So like okay. you know, there, 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 there's a charm to it though. But yeah, this time like I was literally contemplating like, oh, am I gonna end my relationship with this place? Am I gonna like tell them to cancel my order and storm out? You know, like that scenario through my head. Good morning. It's April twenty five, two thousand twenty two, and it's a Monday here in LA. A sunny, clear morning. A gentle breeze blowing right now, 61 degrees Fahrenheit, around 16 Celsius. Today, I was thinking about the great, great song, Roads by Portishead from the year 1994. This afternoon, it's going to be going up to a toasty 88 degrees Fahrenheit. That's around 31 Celsius. And it looks like, once again, wall to wall. Beautiful blue skies and golden sunshine all along the way. Welcome to the Brain Buster Boys, episode 63. My name is Brett Jagger, along with Beaumont Rand. What you doing? Talking into a microphone. How about you? I am. My microphone is built into a computer. So. Oh, I guess uh, I don't even think we responded, but Graham had sent us a DM that podcast oh. came from the iPad or iPod, I guess, yeah. which really? makes sense. Like, so does uh, Apple, like, like, were they able to, like, yank yeah, it away know. from Apple? Because you would think Apple would be like, yes, like, we're going to own you know. it. That's kind of yeah. what I thought, too. I didn't yeah. even respond to him. But and also I meant to um, bring this up with High Five Tom when we talked to him and we'll get into what we were doing. But he actually uh, knew what the thump was on Eddie Kingston's shirt last week. What if was you it? Remember Did it have that. anything to so, do with Trump? No, it was okay. the junkyard dog who was like an old 80s wrestler. I guess that was his thing, Thump, and he was mm -hmm. from New Orleans. So it was mm -hmm. like an homage to him. Um, he was just like a classic, probably was in the 70s, 80s too. Mm -hmm. Like I remember him from some old WWF shows. Um, but interestingly enough, it made me remember a story 
we were at Chris's bachelor party in New Orleans and me and Poppy were just chilling, smoking a cigarette or a spliff or something. And this homeless man comes up to us and starts talking. And I think I'm wearing a wrestling shirt or something. And we start talking wrestling and Poppy's like, yeah, you know, the junkyard dog, right? JYD. Like, of course he knew he was from New Orleans. And then the guy's like, oh yeah, I remember the junkyard dog. So like, mm-hmm. and then we're just sharing this split with this guy. Mm-hmm. This homeless man in New Orleans. But uh, yeah, that's, so awesome. that's the thump. That's the thump story. Wow. We got our podcast story. So, uh, hey, we're here today. Yes, uh, we, we talked about it last week. Uh to do an all if you recall episode yep. and uh this was a lot of fun yeah no this was a lot of fun no this uh definitely uh you know a good a good little change of pace you know glad to have all these different voices on you know yeah, some people who have never been on uh, i guess only uh, one rogue. yeah kevin yeah. kevin rogue making his brain buster boys debut uh, we reviewed, we may as well just lay it out. We reviewed with him because we talked about a lot of the matches last week. We reviewed with him um, the Bret Hart versus British Bulldog SummerSlam 92 Intercontinental title match. And I want to say this now, even though you'll hear it during his interview or spot, whatever, he mentions something at the end of SummerSlam 02 mm-hmm. or 92 when Vince is signing off commentary. What a SummerSlam! And he said something about Lord Alfred Hayes. Cheerio, yeah. Cheerio and clear as day. Yep, you can hear it. Cheerio. Yeah, like Lord Alfred Hayes, who wasn't part of the commentary team. I guess he had done some backstage interviews. But yeah, Vince closes out the show. It shows British Bulldogs standing on the ropes. And yeah, Lord Alfred. Cheerio, everybody. So you'll hear that in the interview here. But yes, I can confirm, Kevin, that it was on there. Um, so yeah, Kevin of the Year of Duke and Rogue podcast, um, his first time on here, but I've, he's a guy I've been talking to a sure. lot and we've listened to his show. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love his show. And we come to find out that High Five Tom just had Kevin on his Midwestern Wrestling Roundup because he's part of AWF, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah, that's what he does. Yeah, I think that's so. Yeah, or AAF just, maybe, but that's Alien yeah, Ant Farm. Yeah, I think it's AWF. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, AAF he, is the Alien Ant Farm man. He <laughs> says that he talks about it. Tom talks about it too. So that was another classic small world of podcasting of two people mm-hmm. who knew each other that we didn't know. Um, number two. We will have our good friend Alex Azar on, yes, which he's been referenced a million times on our show. And has been uh, on our show. He has been on a couple of times, once as Ryback mm-hmm. and once uh, doing a, basically a full three-hour shindig with me talking about our favorite matches from yeah. last year. He's going to come back on again soon um, and talk to me about kind of the first trimester of the year in matches. But um, with him... We do the long-awaited Greg Goldman interrupted um, AJ Styles versus Minoru Suzuki from the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax in 2014. Yay. Um, Baby, contrary to popular belief, we didn't actually watch and record this last fall when Greg Goldman interrupted us. But uh, this is occurring now. Yeah, we got to do it, and it's one of Azar's favorites and one that he, as a fan, has kind of showed to people new to New Japan or Styles yes. or Suzuki, so he'll get into that, and ton of fun there, and we just mentioned High Five Tom. He comes on, of course, to talk a little Ring of Honor, 
but an interesting twist, Samoa Joe versus Kenta Kobashi, one of the best of all time. And um, I had to remind you, it was actually your second Kobashi match because we did watch one with that piece of shit, Micah, um, <laughs> over a and, Zoom. Uh, oh, that's, that, that, that's when we took this picture, wasn't it? That is correct. Yeah, absolutely. As you're wearing your toxic Micah shirt right now, that is absolutely correct. You took yeah. that shirt. You took that picture that night, which he then stole and yeah. made his own T-shirt, which we bought and saw no profits off of. No. Uh, speaking <laughs> of Micah. All right. I guess we got to talk about this, don't we? Yeah. The, the, why don't you? Uh, oh, hold, did I say Joe versus Kenta Kobashi? Yeah, we're doing yeah, it. You did. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Go well, ahead. You're good. you're good. Well, you know how Mike is a big Second Amendment guy, right? Um, so he like flew all the way here, brought his shotgun, his, his Remington. I don't think that's a shotgun. See, I don't know what guns are, but Micah knows what they are. You can ask him about it. He, I brought it in my house and he said, hey, you're going to do this show with me where you read Wikipedia. And, you know, I mean, that then that was about that. So, uh, yeah, Oman reads Wikipedia is a thing on the Visionaries Global Media Network. I believe Micah's got a Twitter account. I'm not going to glorify him by telling him what it, telling you what it is. <laughs> I think he does, because I think it followed us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's uh, l- l- let me look it up. Since... Yeah, Beaumont, Bo reads wiki. Bo spells the B-E-A-U is Bu. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, we have a promo out. <laughs> and then um, we have our first episode that the promo is covering Angels in the Outfield, where we read the Wikipedia page like that and, and dive into it. Um, this um, podcast is already on. Um, I put it on my resume. Hell yeah. <laughs> this is on there. I've got, non-pro- I've got non-profits. Oh. Let's cut to oh, the yeah, chase yeah. on mine. I've yeah. got old Teco show. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Hell yeah. Blast from the recent past. But no, check it out. Uh, you know, we had a good time. I think we're going to release it regularly. Um, but, you know, uh, be on the lookout for it. Visionaries, Global Media. Um, yeah. How, how was it working with that clown? Awful. <laughs> And you'll and you'll and you'll hear my deep misery. Uh, when yeah, you you're just absolute disdain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty gross. Check it out. So even though it's called Beaumont reads Wikipedia, is Micah like a part of like? Is he talking as well a little bit? Like, is he like the host kind of? Or yeah, he tries to like you know think he like keeps me in line, but no, he he really uh, just kind of you know flatlines the whole thing so and he's uh, doing all the back end work that you do for this that you don't want to do so he's you're you, he's got he's serving that purpose yeah 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 he, he's he, uh, yeah, our, our friendship is utilitarian so, oh. no i had a really good time with it i love working yeah with we, love you, yeah, we, we love you micah we love you yeah drunk. yeah 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 no it's it, it, it's a good time oh my god so no, the, I, the hashtags chad put for it, pop culture science movies tv sports information That's science. <laughs> oh i love it uh, this, this is yeah so so definitely check it out mike and i had a good time uh doing I look it forward, and, i look forward to hearing it and shit you're making me want to dust off old news like jagger on youtube which i've done yeah a whole yes two, sir two episodes that didn't even promote the second one uh which i reviewed the new japan cup but uh yeah, content is uh is, is king, I guess they say. Hey. Yeah. Yes, they say hey. So uh <laughs> so yeah, look, um yeah, check it out uh, and uh Oh, I just learned so I told you I'm not going to be coming down to Louisville for the Kentucky Derby, but Impact, Impact is yeah. in Cincinnati or Newport, Kentucky where we went to see Beach House and we Jungle 
we saw them there as well. The ovation, right? Not, not yeah, the Ovation Pavilion. They're coming May 7th and 8th. I'm probably going to go to the show on the 7th. They just had a great uh, pay-per-view. Rebellion just happened on Saturday. Great show. Uh, finally, the culmination of Josh Alexander overcoming that bully moose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a great match there. A few great matches on the card. I've, you know, been really enjoying Impact. Most I've ever enjoyed it in my life. Obviously, yeah. going to the show helped, but I've watched from the show we went to till now, all but I think two of the last two episodes, and I enjoy it. And if I go, I'm going to be excited again. But it's definitely a better product overall than WWE holistically from what I've seen recently. Yeah, yeah. Like WrestleMania aside, that was great. Yeah, um, but, but like, but you know, like having to trudge through Raw or something. A week like that. in, week out, yeah. yeah. But yeah, kudos to Impact. Watch Rebellion if you haven't. Um, yeah, you got anything else or shall we uh, get into our boy Kevin Rogue debuting? Let's zip it. Zip. Okay, it's finally here. The all, if you recall, show, Bo. Yay. I'm trying to think of it. Something else that rhymes with recall and all, but I all thought was Hall. Yeah. Our, guest, our nope. guest's last name is not Hall. Or no, Paul, it's not. Like, like no. Lonzo and uh, Lamello. No, it is from the Year of Duke and Rogue podcast, the one and only Kevin Rogue. <laughs> Welcome to the Brain Buster, boys, brother. Thank you very much, man. A hell of an introduction. You even nailed my Kevin Rogue. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I've been listening. I just told you off fair and wanted to wait until we were on, but hey, what the hell. I've been listening to a lot of your old shows as I go to sleep, so uh, you uh, you kind of serenade me, and uh, yeah, so I, it's, I've been really enjoying it. So uh, we, we put you to sleep. I don't know if that's a ringing endorsement know, or not, but... <laughs> It's, it's the honor of, oh, this is what I want to listen to as I go to sleep. Gotcha, right gotcha. I know, appreciate I, that. I watch, I'll watch old wrestling often, but why not listen to people talk about old wrestling? And uh, I've really lo- loved to enjoy your show. And I'm going on the journey with you here uh, through, what, 95 Starcade to 96 and yeah. watching all the shows. And there's it's, a lot of bad thus far. It is a ton of bad that time. Like that spread is just, it's rough, man. It is a rough spread, but we're, we're hitting, God, we just did 90, we did uncensored. And Lamborghini's next, right? Lamborghini is next. Oh. And then, and then we'll have, uh, things, those things, things start picking up around yeah. the great American bash time. So, and then bash at the beach 96, which we, we reviewed did, yeah. that, that final match for our show for an, if you recall segment at so, some point last year. And so that's by and large when things are considered to have gotten better for WCW question mark yeah yeah oh, that's kind of that's sort of yeah. yeah like a turning point. i mean it is it is as far as like wrestling and content goes i guess that's very like that's very debatable mm-hmm. but as far as like that match itself and the turning point of wcw becoming like a profitable company yeah that's exactly where you point to us and when the they started I'm... beating wwf in the ratings every yeah. week for what over two years for a yeah. while or what is it 86 weeks whatever that's Bischoff's... that's Yep, that's what podcast they say is, is called. Yeah, is in eighty six weeks. Yeah, 
But hey, today we are here not to talk WCW, but to continue our journey kind of through some late 91, early now mid 92, which started with this Tuesday in Texas and then Royal Rumble 92 and then some WrestleMania 8. And we're here to talk about Brett the Hitman Hart versus British Bulldog from SummerSlam 1992 for the Intercontinental Championship. Wembley Stadium, a robust attendance announced of 80,355. How many people do we actually think were in the building? 180,000. <laughs> Vince always loves puffing up his, uh, his attendance numbers for sure. And boy, he loved talking about Wembley Stadium, the spectacle. He, oh, boy. He, he, sounds, he sounds a lot like Dick Vitale. He has a little bit of that on commentary because he's always exclaiming stuff. I, I can you definitely know, yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. It, it, it kind of like, especially, you know, you had talked about how you, everyone thought he was bad on commentary. I don't really have a big sample size pre the Mr. McMahon character, but now I kind of got it because, you know, he just was kind of in the same tone all the time. And, you know. <laughs> Like, like so many times that he was constantly proclaiming, this is it, the match is over. He did it like seven or eight times. Oh, that's every match. The match ends 20 times before yeah. it ends. Yeah. doesn't matter what the move is either. He's like, hammer lock. Oh, this is it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, one, two, and he got him. No, he didn't. That's right. he's, a, he's a great manufacturer of excitement, isn't he? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's a great way to put it, too. Did you – so? In the, did you watch the opening of this this event itself? Uh, no, I I yeah. did. I ended up watching most of the event, but take us take us away. Yeah, go going with going with what you're what you're saying about Vince McMahon and his commentary, he has a certain way that he loves to pronounce things as well, which always I always get a kick out of. Everybody knows the you know, you know everything's a maneuver. Everybody gets that part of it. Yep. Uh, melee is one that we've taken over on uh, the year of duke and road podcast that we love and that's i can't say melee anymore yeah. it's just in me as melee but in the open of SummerSlam 92 that's brought to you it's brought to us by ico pro right that's how everybody says it but not vince mcmahon mm-hmm. he says ico pro so it's not ico pro for him it's ico pro and i was going God damn, come on vince like you gotta one time, could you just pronounce something the way everybody else on the planet that speaks English does it? He's like, nope. He's like, Vince, we're called Ico Pro. <laughs> That's what um, you think. Ico Pro. By Ico Pro. I, bet, I bet he had a real ball when Super Smash Brothers Melee came out, you know. He <laughs> <laughs> did, didn't he? <laughs> what a Melee! Yeah. yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, yeah, and let's just run through some of the other matches on this card. We had Nails versus Virgil. Oh, that's a winner right there. Rick Martell and Shawn Michaels. Natural Disasters and the Beverly Brothers. I skipped LOD and Money, Inc. Uh, Our favorite, Repo Man against Crush. And then we had Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage and a pretty good double countout match for the title. Uh, Undertaker and Kamala, and then that'll take us to our main event in which the British Bulldog defeated Bret the Hitman Hart in 25 minutes, 11 seconds to win the Intercontinental title in his home country. Uh, Bo, Kevin, did you guys watch the interviews before this match? So they did one with Bret, one with Bulldog, and then a very, very riveting one with uh, Diana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. um, I I didn't catch the Bulldog when I caught the one with Bret. Yeah, I would assume yeah. like, you know, like they were, high, but like having those two and then her being the, you know, one right before the match, uh, you know, and, and who was the guy interviewing her? Was that uh, 
Sean Mooney. And Sean we're going to have a lot to say about Diana Hart Smith and her glowing facial expressions yeah. throughout this whole well, for, match. Well, I feel like during that interview, that was just extremely awkward and weird. <laughs> like, you know, I feel like he cut her off because she was like, you know, starting to say something. He and definitely he, cut her he did. off. He, he knew it was horribly uninteresting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Especially that's, that's considering always... the context, too, because, like, yeah. you know, the match did a better job of telling the story of that relationship than her. You know, yeah. she was, you know, supposed to be the medium through which, you know, that drama was, you know, expressed. But and that's always the that's always the case, though, with like when they bring in the other members of the Hart family, like always the case. And they, they'll interview different like different members, especially obviously the was it 93 Survivor Series where we had all the, yes. the Hart take on. And it's like, man, like, don't stop interviewing the rest of them. Like, just yeah. stop. Like, don't we don't need it. We don't we don't need yeah. it. Like, go in the crowd. Sure. That's and, fine. And then also 94 SummerSlam when you had the Brett Owen cage match, yeah. they were all in the crowd. And they're talking to like Bruce and. Mm-hmm. Smith and yeah, none of them can talk or no. know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, always. I think it's always kind of a. I don't mind like showing them in the crowd like that part of it. Totally okay, but like yeah. to interview. Not. I mean, I skipped. I didn't watch this interview, man. I skipped. I watched it years ago. Obviously, yeah. yeah. I'm, you, around, I'm like, no, I'm not watching this. You shit. missed nothing, and she <laughs> was just droning on and on in her robotic voice. I just don't want anyone to get hurt. I hope Brett and Davey are okay. And yeah, like Bo said, fucking Sean Mooney just cuts her off. All right, let's go to the ring. And she gets the out, she's like still trying to like well, get a word and, out. And, and, and her facial expressions, because like other the like, worst. Oh yeah, just like this very like blank slate, like gawk, like you know. And they, just, and they show her a lot during the match, and I've got a few notes, but it's like her facial expressions are showing the opposite of what she wants to be conveying i think like when she's supposed to be like sad and like she's more like confused and bewildered she looked she looked confused except at the very end when she was crying she was just in tears like it just cut from no emotion to just an outpouring yeah you know it was like we're the whole match yeah she's just like blank kind of confused like what is going on here and then yeah some she, manufactured tears she yeah, took the uh she took notes from Stu's appearance in the crowd where he always just same look doesn't yeah. not sure if he knows exactly what's going on it's just it doesn't matter what's going on it's same confused blank yeah. here always and she's like well if i'm gonna study somebody i'm studying you pop like <laughs> yeah well and later on whenever anytime they'd show Stu, you'd always have jerry the king giving him shit every oh, yeah. time as well which was always fun yes but uh, hey, let's uh, get to it here. We had uh, it's a face first face match, and it is the first SummerSlam without Hulk Hogan, which is an interesting note. Uh, we have Bulldog coming out first with Lennox Lewis. Uh, not even- fair. That is not <laughs> yeah. like- that's For the real. first thing that I saw, I was like, "You giving Bulldog Lennox Lewis? He's that's that's not that you can't have him out there with Bulldog. That's stacking the cards already. You can't do that to the Hitman. That's ridiculous. With, give the Hitman somebody. Give him yeah. Heiston. Give him Holyfield. Give yeah. anybody. Give him Ken Shamrock. Even. I fucking hate him, but you can't have Bulldog and a professional boxer together, and then here comes the Hitman, man. In Bulldog's home territory, like, you're really stacking the deck against this son of a bitch. Yeah, and Brett comes down solo, but all cool, calm, and collected. Mm-hmm. I think Vince says he's got a look at determina- determination on his face. There were those bagpipes. 
You know, oh, I think that was yeah, Rose the, Bulldog with that yeah, Roddy Piper. Beforehand, yeah, they fucking trotted out Roddy Piper. I forgot about was, that. Was that he was really playing funny. the bag? Does he know how to really play the bagpipe? Yes. Like I was trying to figure. Oh, he does. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he had me convinced, but you know, I was wondering. Um, <laughs> that is actually how he got. That's how he he got his name. Uh, they actually he was instead of, he was going to be Roddy the Piper. Oh. He played himself oh. to the ring when when he very first broke in, but it went from Roddy the Piper to Roddy Piper, and that's a little little, cra- little egg of knowledge for you about Roddy. Oh yeah, yeah that's gotta neat. love love a nice little nugget. But right. yeah, then interestingly enough, the bell rings like right away when yeah. he gets in the ring before they're even ready, and then the hitman goes out and gives his glasses to a kid, and then they go in and he's. Uh, referee Joey Morella then hands him the title. So it's like, why are you doing all this after the bell rang? But anyway, yeah, but before we get into the match, I gotta, I gotta say something. I feel like this Please. is going to be the appropriate time to do it. Please. Um, okay. So I thought this was good and entertaining, but I do want to cover what I thought was very, very bad the whole time. It was that goddamn air horn. I, I was going to bring that up right from the jump. Nuts. <laughs> well, it, 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 it was different oh, no. levels of volume and like, yeah. And, um, like I was wearing my like big, you know, headphones that have the binaural thing. So I was hearing it on like all these different sides and it just like, you know, broke my focus and concentration. And I, I think knew you were going to say something about that. And, and I think at the very end, um, at the very end, whenever they were playing God Save the Queen, which that's Bulldog song, right? The da, 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 you know, the British song. Yeah. Um, I think the air horn was trying to play it, like going, eh, 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 you know, like trying to play that song. Well, and you got, again, I watched most of the show and those horns were throughout the whole show. Yeah, Don't I, get I was, me wrong. But I was waiting for the moment during like, that match. Yeah, I was waiting for the it moment was, that somebody would like take it from him. But I guess you mm-hmm. could have it back in a back in a stadium then, or maybe that's a thing in the UK. Shrug, yeah. it, you know, it was e- easily the most annoying crowd I have watched in a long time. Yeah. And I love like I love watching that that old stuff and like seeing like what the crowd's doing. I like to pick out different things about it. But that crowd was just obnoxious, man. And I th- I started thinking about it because you see every time they they cut to hard cam, everybody's like waving their hands and looking yeah. up. And then I was like, why do they keep like this is not they, they see themselves on a big board like and that's ha- and they kept on doing it over yeah. and over again throughout the night. And I was like, why just stop it? And then I thought I was like, man, this is ninety two. That's a new technology. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're sure. Like, in, in, they're, in, they're in amazement going, I can see myself. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, a, and another thing, uh, it seemed like it was the first time any of them had ever seen the number one foam finger because everybody had it. <laughs> yeah, and they were everybody all that like, light teal, turquoise color. Yeah. I, it reminded me of the Statue of Liberty because isn't yeah. there something with like a Statue uh-huh. of Liberty fucking foam? I don't know. Maybe. I feel like I've seen something but, like but, that. But yeah, you're right. They were riddled in the crowd. Oh, yeah. And, and, and to kind of uh, circle back, use our favorite term here, uh, um, uh, to something that we talk about uh, that I've talked about whenever we talk about this area of wrestling is it's so, you know, marketed or the target audience is kids, you know, Absolutely. more so than like what comes after it. I feel like. Well, and just for the cheers reflection. from the crowd, you mostly hear like women and children as yeah. opposed to like when you get towards the attitude era, it's all the men and this is awesome. Yeah. And all the, the signs with innuendo and 420. Yeah. And, shit like that but yeah the crowd while obnoxious was lively the whole yes. time pretty much and they want their boy to win and we got to see the hitman work heel and work it expertly and Bo, i wanted to mention this to you i forgot to up front but i know i'm sure kevin knows this in bret hart's book he mentions that like two minutes into the match bulldog forgets the whole match like forgets what they're supposed to do 
how it's going to get just like has a complete brain fart in front of 80,000 in his home country. So even more credit to the hitman showing he's one of the best of all time leads him through the match. And Kevin, I'm sure you know a lot. So take it away. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, even in that, uh, when he forgotten, I don't, I don't remember if he, he did, he talked about this in his book or if I had heard it, uh, him in an interview, but he stiffed bulldog quite oh, a yeah. few times wow. and he's just going like, get, like get your ass together like you this is big time right this is big time main event summer slam biggest women. match of your life biggest match of your life and you're 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 really blowing it here so he he stiffed him a couple of good times uh and that's not like that's not the first time shit like that's happened i, I know off the top of my head like lex luger mr perfect at yeah. wrestlemania 9 they went out and uh, it was said that perfect just completely forgot everything that they were supposed to do uh and then he obviously carried the match because lex can't work but uh <laughs> in this one like brett does a phenomenal job and like oh my god imagine and i can understand like bulldog nerves things like that biggest match of your career you go out there and you just go oh shit yep there's nobody else you'd rather want to be in the ring with at that point you'd want to be in the ring with brett Absolute, Hart at the point. excellence of execution Absolutely. And you don't think those air horns were fucking up bulldogs? <laughs> oh, I imagine they were. Yeah, they had to. Have. Maybe that was it. All he could hear was. Eh, 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 eh. <laughs> oh, no. I've I had those things haunt his dreams, you know? Um, but uh, like, so I guess, to, you know, and, um, we might, no one might have the answer to this uh, or it may not be said, but like, did he, uh, was there a point in the match where he kind of like remembered or was able to get back on track and be like, oh yeah, this is what I was supposed to, or what, or was it just completely just thrown in the brain shredder, you know? A little, a little bit into the match, you can see Brett's got him in a headlock and you can see he's kind of covering his mouth with yeah. Davy's head and he's, he's giving him instructions at yeah. that point. He this talks him through it kind of the whole okay. time. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And I'm sure I would imagine at some point, just as they're through the throes of the match, that it's probably all kind of clicking for him. And yeah. frankly, he was on defense or Brett was on the offense for probably 75% of this match. So right. it's just like, all right, sell this, sell that. All right, reverse this. But like, I was going to say this match just shows the absolute fucking brilliance of Bret Hart. One, working heel, which he wasn't doing here at all. Obviously, that's kind of how he started his career. Two, we know he guided him throughout the entirety of the match. And just so when I take detailed notes on a match, I can really sink into it more. And I'm just as I'm doing, I'm like Hitman is just fucking killing it right now in every single way. The moves, the selling, the counters, taking him through it and uh that's why he's one of my favorites of all time, and I believe Kevin as well, right? Absolutely, and I, one of my absolute – got to be a real jackass to not have Bret Hart high on your list, man. Just <laughs> for everything, like jackass. every time you <laughs> – you, you, you hear people every now and again be like, mm, but he couldn't really work the mic. And to those people, I say, fuck off. Yeah. Because he, he absolutely can work the mic. If you look at what he did towards the end of his, his WWE. No run, doubt. He, yeah. The, the guy can work the stick. He can do absolutely everything. And, and Al Day, my one of my co-hosts there on uh, Top Spot, if, if you're listening to this, five tool, 10 tool, 28 tool. He's got more tools than the Benford Christmas catalog. All right. That is... <laughs> Bret Hart is the absolute man. So. Yes. Yeah. You, if anyone is picking, anyone out there is picking Shawn Michaels over the hitman, you're a jackass. You're a jackass. Absolute jackass. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you belong in the Benford Christmas catalog, yeah. which I need to, which, which now I need to seek that out. That's on my, on my to-do oh, list. Oh yeah. We would often, so like we always call each other tools or call people tools and we would mm. 
drop in the bin for it every now and again. So I'm glad to hear. it's been a while good. since I've heard it. So yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, but uh, yeah, so Bo, I know typically because I've again I've got a boatload of notes and I'm not going to go through the whole thing. And we've already set the scene more than enough and talked through the match. But aside from the horns and ev- all the hoopla, uh, as I typically do, what'd you think of the match? Yeah. The- uh- well, the well, spectacle, as Vince McMahon says. Well, now that I know that um, the, the bulldog blanked completely, uh, that kind of recontextualizes stuff for me a little bit. Because, you know, like I, I did kind of notice like, you know, and it's an obvious heel thing. You know, Bret Hart is kind of on offense for most of the time. But now it kind of makes it makes a whole lot of sense to me, you know, because I thought the match, you know, was like was was, was good. And I thought it, it was compelling. But again, there were kind of moments where, like, for example, um near the end whenever Bret Hart has him in like a headlock and then the bulldog gets out of it I think he picks him up and like slams him back into the turnbuckle and and then he did it then they did it again like there were a couple times where you know like like Bret Hart would get him in a hold and he would escape and he would escape in like the same way like back-to-back times you know so I kind of here's I'll flip that on you. And I like that as the relentlessness of the hitman. Like after he backed him in, like, nope, fuck you. I'm putting it right back right. on you. But, and but I'm showing his strength to do it. But you're saying like, try and get out a different way. Yes. Type yes. Deal. That's exactly okay. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like they're like, they were kind of like repeated the more on the bulldogs. Escape yeah, tactics yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Relentlessness. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel you. Yeah. So, I mean, other than that, again, I thought it was really enjoyable and compelling, you know, like, what'd you think of the finish? Oh no, I, I I was definitely like the the pin came like pretty sudden too. I thought yeah. it was a pretty sudden, very finish. unique finish. Yeah. Bulldog had already hit his move, the running power slam. Yeah. Hitman had already put on one of the greatest sharpshooters ever. Yeah. After there was a double clothesline, they're both down on the ground, and all of a sudden you just see him start to twist the legs up yeah. as he's laying on the ground, and he pulls him up through it. Uh, what do you think of that sharpshooter, Kev? Well, anytime the sharpshooter, man, are you kidding me? There's no, like, there's, there's just, there's, I can't say enough good things about, about Brett, the hitman at heart. So like, that's why I wanted to bring you on for this one. Cause yeah. I'm like, I've always wanted to do something with you. And I'm like, I know he loves the hitman. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Keep gushing. There was, there was a couple of things in this match that really disappointed me uh so this is a these are two class acts right i've I, i've said it before but davy boy is like the champion of class right it just just yeah. through and through but his presentation in this match i can't stand like i don't like the dreads never like the dreads yeah his tights, his tights are okay but then he did that weird like lingerie opening on the side <laughs> of it which very very strange to me but there was uh at one spot brett goes over the top rope uh, and it looks like he's going for a splash, but Davey's out of position and yes. he kind of grabbed him. And I think that's, we might've seen the very first ever zigzag ever was right. Oh there yeah. Yeah. When he grabbed them. And I was like, man, that, that's what way to save the spot. Like yeah. just a great Davey job. Davey was him. way too close mm-hmm. to the apron. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and right, then, that was like a zigzag. I kind of mm-hmm. call it like a drag, not the dragon screw. What's the fucking sling blade. That's the mm-hmm. move. Yeah. 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 Yep. Where you kind of jump around and do it, but yeah. And then the Bulldog, and I don't know if it's because he was gassed or what, what the deal was, but when he picked him up for that military press slam. Oh, my just, God. Yeah, dropped him onto the ropes. Yeah. 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 And, and he got all tangled up. Yeah. 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 And Brett, like, hung onto the ropes and then sold that he got, he got uh, you know, a like rope. It was the, the, like it was the, the end of the Sean Razor ladder match there. It was almost yeah. like that where he got caught up in, but that was pl- not planned, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> 
And it was, I mean, so those are the parts of the match where I was like watching it. I went, oh no, yeah. like, oh no. But the, the, still with Bret Hart, there's always a certain level of, okay, that was fucked, but it still looks believable. It and still I can looks figure out good. a way to get out of this and mm-hmm. make it look good. Yeah, right, he's, right. It's he's fucking so, best. He's so he's so damn good. And those those were the spots like in the match. I was like, oh no, oh yeah, no, it's okay now. Like, yeah. It worked out. It's yeah. fine. I mean, I would say as great as Bret Hart is, and as many amazing performances as he's had, this is one of the best. When you think about what he had to do in this match, yeah. and he's coming in working heel in front of eighty thousand, he literally carries the match. Yes, and he's on offense for the majority of it. And it can, just the small nuances, like I love early on, one of the first things that bulldog hits hitman with is a crucifix gets a two count and then like five minutes later he goes for it again you're not gonna get that shit by the hitman he catches right. him and fucking slams him back like i love those touches and like there's so many of them from him in this match like he's just so damn good and again credit to davy like yeah for forgetting everything mm-hmm. and, like he got his way through it yeah there were a couple botches or not great spots but uh he, he got through it and uh you know it was a hell of a fucking match and you see that like throughout like the course of bret hart's career is that the matches aren't always going to end with somebody's finisher because yes. he is so great at coming up with different ways to finish matches. So Absolutely. you see that, you see that so frequently throughout his career, maybe not you know, later in his career it was pretty much, you know, sharpshooter is going to be his finish, but really during this, like between like 90, I would say 92 to all the way up through probably 96, now almost 97, he would come up with such creative ways to finish matches with different opponents. The guy is just... The one that comes to mind for me is the first Stone Cold match at Survivor Series 96, Mm -hmm. where he kicks, he's in like a sleeper chokehold, and he kicks his legs up against the turnbuckle and flips him over for the pin. Yeah, and that was the... the Roddy, that was no, Roddy that's match. right from WrestleMania eight. Yep. That's right. That's where it was done first. That's what, yeah. when I, yeah, when I saw it, uh-huh. like, obviously when I saw it the first time, I was like, wait a second. I know exactly what that was. I've yeah. Seen I forgot that 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 was the OG. Yeah. How many, how many different matches you've gone through throughout the duration of his career. And then he went, yeah, you probably recycle this one and do it again. I was like, yeah, you probably can. (laughs) I mean, it's been four, four and a half years later. So, um, Let's see. I mean, uh, yeah, Vince's commentary was hilarious. Like so many times, what a summer slam. Look at the spectacle. Um, what a maneuver. Um, but uh, let's see. I had a point here. Oh, one thing, Vince, I hate this. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon would do it too, and Vince does it as well. When Brett hits the Russian leg sweep, like nobody hits a Russian leg sweep. They call it a neck breaker. It's yeah. not a neck breaker. It's a Russian leg sweep. Yeah, you hear that from different commentators at different time periods, and then all of a sudden they're like, "No, it's it's this move now." I'm running into that. I'm watching a lot of uh, old WCW, and you see like they just call out like different different names of moves, and you're like, "Okay, yeah." Sometimes, sometimes you're like, "Okay, I can see how that would be." Like if somebody gets him in uh, like a like a backbreaker bow and arrow, and they're just like, "Oh, he's got him in a backbreaker submission hold," and you're like, "No, <laughs> no, he doesn't. That's not what that is. The backbreaker's not a submission hold." <laughs> oh goodness! But, I also um, thought it was funny. Like you know, you um like typically whenever we've watched this era and Heenan's been on commentary, like he's had the very like like he's had skin in the game. And again, like, you know, two of the matches watching this era have involved Ric Flair. So, like, direct skin in the yeah. game there. But it was yeah. kind of nice seeing them be a little bit more neutral this time. Like, he still yeah. kind of, you know, had his, like, little insults he would 
throw out. Like I remember he um made fun of his hair. He was like, Does Whoopi Goldberg do your hair or something like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he's still like classic heel sh- great Bobby yeah, Dean and shit. Yeah. But yeah, he's you're right. He's not bi- yeah. he's not biased in this match. Yeah, like yeah. he's been in a lot of the ones we've watched before, too. Yeah. He even comes right out and says it. Like he said in on commentary, he's like, I don't care who wins this match. <laughs> yeah, he like, did he did say it. Like, yeah, I don't know. Cause he's always like anti-hitman for the majority right. of his career. Like I said. Well, I guess the King was as well, but, you know, Heenan was before that. But, yeah, I mean, it was nice. You're right, Bo. It was nice to just kind of hear him just doing his thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything else stick out to you guys? I've got, again, plenty of spots we can talk through here, but we're just kind of shooting the shit. Um, Oh, I did. Back to Diana real quick. Again, like they showed her multiple times. And like I said, it just seemed like her facial expressions at all did not match what you think she was feeling at that time. And, like, I had one point where, uh, like, the part, Bo, you mentioned earlier, where Brett had him in the sleeper and he kind of backed up against, and then he puts it on again. It cuts to her, and I made a note that she's almost smiling in that (laughs) point, where it's, like, part of, like, probably the toughest. And she's, like, then Mouse, like, come on, Davey. But it's, like, (laughs) come on, Davey. (laughs) Well, and and it's, like, if someone could have just told her to use your hands, just do this. You know, yeah. cover because I think I think a big part of it is 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 sort of her mouth because she just stands there with that like yeah that, like that open that, yeah. yeah that agape that like gawking look and it's like dude like just like use your hands you know like over your mouth over your you know like I know it might be a little exaggerated but I mean come on you know like you're so that, part of, you're part on, of this story and you're doing nothing to you know oh you're, you're taking away from it yeah constantly yeah. the the come on Davy came after. Brett had the sleeper and Bulldog got to the ropes and he didn't let go. Mm-hmm. And then Vince is like, Brett's going to cause permanent damage. And then that's <laughs> when it cut. <laughs> what um, kind of permanent, da- you know, <laughs> I, I mean, just put him to sleep. I yeah, guess. I know. Yeah. Permanently. Permanently yeah. forever. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, at the at the end of the at the end of the match, after like as they were, you know, Vince is doing is what a SummerSlam, what a yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Do am I wrong, or did you also hear Lord Alfred Hayes at the very end say Cheerio? Was that was that just me that heard that? Because like, I, I like right before the broadcast went off the air. Right. Yeah. Right oh, before. I, I think I actually turned it off probably like oh, as okay. the fireworks. I'm gonna have yeah. to go back. Yeah. You yeah. Yeah. Once right. the fireworks lit, you know, and this has been a wonderful SummerSlam. I was like, all right, yeah. I think I think we're done. So here. like at the last wow. words as the broadcast go off is that what Cheerio you by Lord Alfred Hayes. I'm like I'm. I wish I wish you would have caught that because oh, I heard man. that and I was like, man, this is. This is you know fun SummerSlam. Obviously, Vince is doing his thing. What a SummerSlam! Everything's going nuts, and then all of a sudden, you hear Lord Alfred Hayes go "Cheerio," and I'm like, "Whoa, what?" Where was, <laughs> was he on the broadcast at all before that? Like, I know I, he wasn't doing commentary, but maybe like backstage. Backstage, I, I think he had some backstage spots, but I, I just it just caught me off guard, like like shocking, like I sat on my nuts. Yeah. Like, I was, like what? <laughs> was that Lord Alfred? <laughs> And I mean, if Lord Alfred's around at this time, he's got to be involved in this. This is his yeah. show, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, I felt like he was definitely more like late '80s, for sure. But yeah, that <laughs> I will rewatch the ending. So like, this is part one of at least three. So for our next recording, I'll pop in and see if I like yeah. let you know but if I can. You catch it. you want to make sure to hear that and then stop it right away because the very next thing it plays into is SummerSlam '93 and the Lex Express. So you want to get away from that right away. So hear Cheerio and just hit power. <laughs> yeah, uh, that thought Lex was your boy. 
yeah. <laughs> That's one thing I love. So one thing about like being a kid watching wrestling and then being an adult and watching wrestling from that era, I think you've brought it up on your show many times. It's like things that you thought were good back then sometimes really stuck as an adult or vice versa. But like, I feel like you guys with Lex Luger, definitely like as a kid, I'm like, Lex is good. This guy's awesome. And then he was in the NWO Wolfpack and I'm 10 years old and I love the Wolfpack. And I'm like, yeah, Lex Luger's tight. And he does the torture rack and the packs. Right. And right. yeah, he sucks. Doesn't he? Yeah. He's <laughs> 100% awful. Man. <laughs> just awful. I just, it's it, it's rough too because like you don't want to when you're talking about guys that you don't like you don't want to completely shit on them because you respect them for being in wrestling you respect for their sure. abilities and you respect what they've done for for our entertainment but then at the same time you're like but he just fucking sucks like it's like it's just hard to get hard to get into anything that he does so yeah Lex is not like not one, a not a fan one for me that wasn't as like extreme, but was Ultimate Warrior. Like he was my favorite as a kid, and you know I'm watching some or WrestleMania six in 1997, so I'm not watching it as it happens. I'm a kid mm-hmm. looking back. He was always my favorite, and again, not that that's it's definitely he's not my favorite. And they realize like, man, he was kind of a shitty worker, but he was still the Ultimate Warrior and still right. hilarious and ridiculous and insane. But it's like, yeah, he's not quite as good as uh, I thought he was as a kid. But well, he's he's like a like a tornado of happiness. Like yeah. he comes running out, everybody's happy, and then he leaves, and you're like, oh shit, there's a mess that he left behind here. Yeah. Like, like, or it just has green slime coming out of his face. Right. Gets yep. cursed by Papa Shango. Yep, absolutely. Man. I remember, I remember watching that when it happened, and actually being like genuinely concerned for the Ultimate Warrior, and then at the same time going, "Why doesn't Papa Shango have the title? Like, if he could just go out there and make people drop, he should be yeah. the champ." Like yeah. when I, when it happened back then, as a kid, I was like, "Why well, isn't he should be champion? He should why be the best." You, why don't you tell Bo a little bit about Papa Shango, real quick? <laughs> Papa, what? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he knows about it. It sounded a lot like Papa John, so I've been trying to like you know zoom out and be like, okay, what 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 what, so, what, um, what culture is this a reference? To, you know, like what culture did Vince decide to appropriate here? <laughs> so Papa Papa Shango was, uh, if you remember the well, you remember the Godfather, of course. Pimp so, Pap- easy, yeah. Papa, oh, Papa okay, gotcha. Oh, same, really? Same okay. guy earlier. Same guy. And yep. he was comma in the Nation mm-hmm. of Domination, but yep. This so was his first gimmick. His first his first run in WWE, they wanted to have like a like a voodoo character for okay. him. So and like his tats and stuff like that kind of would draw you to think that yeah, that's realistic. Uh, but he would come down. He had a like a stick and a skull that would smoke, and he had the whole necklace and top hat. Like if you've seen, uh, was it Live and Let Die, the Bond movie Live and oh, Let yeah. Die? Yeah. Like it's it's almost like they pulled that voodoo character right out and put Shango in it. Mm-hmm. But he at the, the part that we're referencing here with Ultimate Warriors, he kind of stood out there and started shaking. And looking at Warrior, yeah. and then Warrior just all of a sudden grabbed his stomach, fell, and started heaving up just green liquid. Like it was oh wow! Yeah. So like I don't, I really, I still don't know how they pulled that yeah. like that trick off. But like, it like, was, like he, like he, he did, well, didn't just have his mouth closed the whole time, you know, and cheeks. Well, and then there was a time like a backstage where he was on like a stretcher with doctors mm-hmm. and a similar thing, and it just started pouring from his head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was good. like pretty wild shit. Yeah, right. I mean, they invested a lot of, you know, like, prep and effects into that, you know. 
it, it and seems the, like a minor character, you know, or, or just a gimmick. But it was character. with the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, so yeah. That's, yeah I guess the character. point Kevin was making is if yeah. he could do this to the Ultimate Warrior, mm-hmm. he should yeah. be the champ. Right. Yeah. yeah. He, I mean, something. And he was always kind of upper mid card kind of area. But as a uh-huh. man, and did you know that actually when he came when he came back uh, to do the run after, obviously he went from Papa Shango to the Supreme Fighting Machine, Kama yep. to Kama Mustafa, that is yep. the Godfather, obviously, and then to the Good father but uh when he he ended up being coming back for his run as kama mustafa with the nation of domination the original idea was to have him come back as a papa shango he was going to come in the nation uh, not in the nation okay okay i believe the the idea was he was going to come back and he was either going to like be part of like a pre-ministry or he was going to feud against the the undertaker with their you know the ominous power yeah, um, yeah. you can you can look it up there's a lot of like cool renderings and there's even promo pics of him in like 1997 papa yeah. Shango. Mm-hmm. they just kind of turned because ahmed obviously blew his ace his, he just blew his knee out and then yeah kinda so he kind of took out ahmed spot yeah mm-hmm. papa shango <laughs> well enough on that i know you got to get out of here in a few minutes but any so we didn't even i said the finish but didn't really exactly mention what it was there was a throw up I think Bulldog threw Brett against the ropes and he f- tried to flip him over into a sunset flip. And then Bulldog geniusly grabs his leg, leans forward. One, two, three. Like Bo said, mm-hmm. very right. abrupt, but they'd already been through each other's finishers. Mm-hmm. You knew the match had to be ending soon. But yeah, and Kevin said it, just another perfectly creative finish from the Hitman. But before we go, any final thoughts on this? I love this match. This is probably the most I enjoyed it, I think. Just again, because I was so dialed into the Hitman and everything. Uh, probably like four and a half stars for me. I love it. Uh, but yeah, final thoughts. And then Kevin will let you kind of plug what you want to plug and we'll get you out of here and on with your day. Yeah, sounds good to me, brother. Sounds good. So as far as the as far as the match goes, uh, it, it, going back and watching like this era, Bret Hart is always so refreshing because of the way that the matches are worked. So mm. yeah. Now wrestling now is, is obviously speed wise, work rate wise. It's all has all picked up. For sure, uh, you get a lot of different things where you see like spot fest and different matches, stuff like that. But to to watch a, a match like this uh, with solid foundation and they build on that foundation was it's it's a it's a breath of fresh air. Really enjoyed this. Absolutely, match. yeah. Bo, final thoughts. Oh man. <laughs> 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 No, no, I, I was pretty entertained throughout. Like I said, I thought it was, you know, it, 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 I thought it was a, 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 one of those real grippy matches. But now that, you know, you've we I found out that, you know, the Bulldog just completely blanked. Um, you know, it's all the more impressive that, you know, they were Bret Hart was able to pull that off and make it look smooth because I wouldn't have expected that. You know, I thought yeah. it was a good match. I, you know, I guess like in terms of Bret Hart matches I've seen, which we've done for a few call, which we did the Stone Cold one, which is my favorite. Which is the um, best. Yeah, yeah. That's my yeah. favorite WWE match ever. WrestleMania yeah, 13. Yeah. In terms of drama, that's better. But in terms of technicality, you know, this is this is up there as well. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so, Kevin, thank you for joining us. This has been awesome. I can't wait for your show to put me to sleep again. No, I'm thank kidding. <laughs> but no, for real, I love listening to you guys. Always get much. some laughs. Uh, always, you know, looking forward to the next episode now that I'm watching these now mostly shitty WCW yep. shows. <laughs> I always get a kick out of shitty. Uh, but 
feel free plug your show. I don't know if you want to talk about your burgeoning wrestling career at all, but uh, anything you want to get out right here, fire yeah. away. Yeah. So uh, obviously you can keep up with the, the, the podcast. It's uh, you can follow us on Twitter is at year of pod. You can listen to year of Duke and rogue podcast pretty much anywhere where you will get your podcasts. Uh, we're under the jaded wrestling banner. So it's kind of a network of podcasts that we have over there. Uh, also the do a little collecting show called tots pod with uh, my buddy Al. And, and you can follow that at, uh, at tots pod on Twitter. And again, still anywhere you get podcasts under the jaded wrestling banner. Uh, as far as what I'm doing wrestling wise, uh, you can you can follow uh, me and what we're doing with the uh, the AWF on Twitter is at uh, real AWF. You can see uh, us on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button there and you can follow my character at JJ Rogue Means on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've been sending me some promos you've been doing. Excellent job. Yeah. Thank you very much. Downtown PD Brown's going down. You're on- damn right. He is May 20, Sunday, May 23rd, St. Charles, Minnesota. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make him quit is the plan. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's, it's, it's easy to say that type of shit when I got a guy like Stonehenge with me. Mm, that, yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, good shit, Kevin. Thank you again so much for coming on. And Thank I you. look forward to more future collaboration. Love the idea, brother. Love it. All righty. Take care. You as well. Later. Get ready to talk about some products. Uh, Beaumont, I know you've started your spring cleaning now. Spring has fully sprung. Yeah, yeah, off a of springboard. Um, and uh, there, there are global leaders in below the waist grooming, uh, and you know who they are. They're not involved uh, in any sort of global conflict. It's Manscaped. It's a yes. wonderful American. Yes, it is. Company. Yeah, yeah. The best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants. Is aisle five supposed to be in the middle? Is this supposed to be where your, your Moxley is or your Yuta is? You know? Funny enough, uh, I heard Renee Paquette doing this exact same ad talking about cleaning aisle five. <laughs> oh, man. Did she, did she talk about how it was time to clean out her winter bush and join the other 4 million <laughs> individuals worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code BBB. Talking points, yes. what do we got? Yes, uh, we've been talking about the... What was it? The performance package, performance package 4.0, which I know you've been using all the wonderful products. Well, I made a dud and didn't put in my sheet to Manscaped in time, and I haven't gotten them yet. Yeah. But I know you've been really, really enjoying them. You're, looks like you're about to take a drink of some hair and body wash. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah. No, no, I've been a bit of a stalwart. Um, you know, I've really been on their shampoo and conditioner, uh, okay, and, and, and their body wash uh, lately. Um, I've still know. been using the old ball deodorant, the crop preserver, yes. a ton. I even did use the crop reviver the other day, which I haven't used as much. But I was out, we were just messing around in the park and, you know, it gotten a little sweaty and uh, applied yeah. both. So uh, I thought, I actually thought I was supposed to be having a date, which didn't end up happening. But I was getting all date ready with my, uh, my crop preserver and my crop reviver. And I'll tell you what, it was wonderful. Yeah. And I can't wait to wash my beautiful hair and body with uh, those wonderful products as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. I got that charged in my bathroom. Haven't used that oh, yeah. uh, since, oh, yeah. I, since I went bald down there. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but, 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 but I used but, it on my face not too long. Oh, oh did Actually, you? It, 
Yeah, just to like kind of tighten, like get a little closer and kind of get some of the like okay. the real small like on my little mustache here. Yeah, I did actually. I've done it to touch up my little face here. Oh, that's awesome. I, I mean, <laughs> if I had more facial hair, I'd think about that. But speaking of what I did with my facial hair, I did finish all my grooming routine this morning with the Plow 2.0, which has been my baby for this perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. Because if uh, yeah, we'll skip that part. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about people doing good shit. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, the start of spring also marks the start of testicular cancer awareness month in April. Even though we're more than halfway through the month, but Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Smell oh so fresh and oh so clean this spring. Tell them one more time how they could take advantage of this great offer to clean up aisle five. Take advantage of us and our sponsor. By getting 20% off and free shipping with the code BBB at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BBB at manscaped.com. It's time to throw your old hygiene habits out to the curb and upgrade your life. You know what? Your balls. Well, thank you. Salute. Go away, Go away Micah. <laughs> yeah, you, he's a bad person. We are back with number two of the all, if you recall. Are you ready for this one, baby? Yeah. This is the one we've been talking about for many, many months that Greg Goldman interrupted. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. AJ Styles and Suzuki. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing, um, I'm, I'm saying this now, um, just because I thought of it this morning, and I forgot about it until now, which means I'm probably going to forget about it again. But I need to charge up my old laptop, and we should, since we have three, if you recalls this week, use all the three themes that we've used for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't let me forget that, if you don't mind. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. Excellent. So yeah, we're we're finally hitting the style Suzuki, and we're bringing on good friend of the show who was with me for our uh, three, nearly three-hour marathon of our favorite matches last year. That would be Alex Azar. Welcome back, baby. Kaye. Dude. <laughs> I, dude, that was three hours just marking out, man, like talking about all these matches and just geeking out over all these guys chopping the shit out of each other. Oh, yeah. Well, no, this, this match was, was real chop. It was chop suey. It was, oh, no, uh, that was, that's the next match that we're doing. That we're, Oh yeah, th this, this is, one was a little choppy, right? Little yeah, choppy, more little choppy. Yeah. 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 It's more slappy, yeah. You know, like like yeah, you know, more like, slappy. Yeah, that that sort of thing that Minoru Suzuki does all the time. The, the yeah. next match is very very choppy. choppy. Yeah, this yeah, one yeah. is definitely uh, a little slappy, but I'm also calling this the Beaumont Rand Wikipedia Rabbit Hole Invitational. Yeah, because you had mentioned like last week or two weeks ago that you had gone down rabbit holes yeah. of both AJ Styles and Suzuki recently. Yes, yes. So, uh, and it's finally led us here. Which shit, I don't even. know. It was probably and, what September, and, October when oh, we yeah. tried to do this one originally, and yeah, uh, yeah. And then and then shenanigans ensued. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, one, one thing too that I got to see was Suzuki Goon. You know, or yes. did I pronounce that right? Suzuki, yes, you did. Uh, yeah, not gun. You know, yeah. yeah. But yeah, they, they they didn't make their appearance. Um, yes. Yeah, no, no. This 
this was a very condensed, quick, entertaining one. Um, yes, I like this. One. And I wanted and I wanted to bring Azar on because I know he's always loved this match. And I have a question for you in a minute um, about it. But um, just wanted to get you on here because you had also, as a listener, asked us, "Hey, when are you guys getting to Suzuki, <laughs> Suzuki and Styles?" And you know, the way we had played it was almost as if we'd already recorded it or already watched it, but. I literally just watched it an hour ago, and even though I've seen it three times already, but uh, tell us uh, why you're so excited about this one. I mean, I think this is just a perfect like, gateway match into New Japan. Like mm-hmm. for me, I think it was the second or third one I've watched, and like for friends of mine that I've recommended New Japan matches to, like this is the go-to. Yeah, like, if I remember correctly, I think I saw this one even. Like, before we met, Brett, like I really, because I think I, after seeing the AJ Nakamura match, like Which this was also was like, my first, yeah. Like it was like, oh, I should check out more of these guys, and so this was one of those. And yeah, so I, I'm happy that Bo got to get in on this. Yeah, and it's 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 very much like it just shows up. I think in a good way, just the major, like a different side of of AJ that you see in WWE, but also. I think a lot of the strengths of the new Japan presentation. So I, I think this is very accessible. You know, it's mm-hmm. like Brett said, sub 20 minutes. Yeah. I think it went 16 and change. I'll pull it up here in a sec, but actually you kind of took my question from me. Cause I know you have used this as a match to introduce people into new Japan or styles or Suzuki who had never seen them. So I was going to ask you why that's the case, but you kind of, you just answered it for me. So um, yeah, Corican Hall 2014 G1. I'm pulling up the match right now. AJ Styles comes in as IWGP world heavyweight champ. I guess just heavyweight champion at that time. That's when he defeated Okada for the first time when Bullet Club just joined right back at Dantaku 2014 Azar. Is that correct? Yeah, cause I think there was because I think there was that, and then there was a follow up match at Dominion that was something we watched. Once that was twenty, that was twenty fifteen, right? Oh, okay. When Okada yeah. finally won it, but yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because I know there was another one that, <laughs> yeah. Then there was like King of Pro Wrestling 2015, mm-hmm. I think. But yeah, the first There's one, like five of them. Yeah, yeah, the first one was the weakest, but um, it is G One Night Seven Corican Hall. And AJ Styles defeats Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, Bo, you said the condensed 16 minutes, 20 seconds. And as we typically do with these segments, Mr. Rand, what did you think of this match, baby? Um, he's already mentioned the t- two things about the different side of AJ Styles that you don't see in WWE. And I think this also goes for a different side of Minoru Suzuki that you haven't seen in AEW. Perhaps yes. not because of booking reasons, but because of age. You know, yes. yeah, yeah, because like he was doing that sort of thing. He did it a couple of times where he was it was sort of like a handstand on the ropes where he was like kind of upside down and like I, I don't know what the move is called. Exactly. Grabbing, he, like kind of had styles in the arm bar. Basically. Yeah. And the arm he's bar. Got his head kind of on the ground. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. At the arm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That move really impressed me because I always think of Minoru Suzuki seeing him in AEW is kind of like like that's what I you know, why I said that sort of choppy thing, because mm-hmm. he always gets in those big chop fests that I've come to you know, um, associate with New Japan a whole lot. And something that I like, um, AJ Styles, uh, the word that I will come to describe him as now is uh, froggy. He's very, you know, like, like so, <laughs> yeah. mu- so much of the time he kind of does that, like bounce off the ropes and stuff like that, you yes. know. Um, so he has kind of that, 
leaping ability that I don't know. It reminds me of Kenny Omega, like in a way, like they're kind of guys that you wouldn't think would be so like vertically athletic, but they are. They're vertically they're athletic freaks. Yeah, they're freaks. They're very slippery. You know, like they're you know pretty agile guys. Like they they kind of rem- you know AJ Styles really reminded me here. And again, I mean, outside of that WrestleMania match. You know, I, I can't remember like a good like WWE era when we were there. Good eight because he was saddled yeah. with the Moss. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> and so I was I really thinking like, had we yeah. watched a really good yeah. Styles match together, whether it be Ring yeah. of Honor, TNA, and New Japan? I don't think we had. So yeah, yeah this was probably definitely the best you'd see. Oh yeah, real, real eye opener. Like I said, it reminded me a lot of Kenny, Kenny Omega. And were he and Kenny in um, New Japan together at the same time? Yeah, that's that's interesting you mentioned that because it was actually Kenny who led the charge to kick AJ out of Bullet Club. Yeah. Which was like the like their storyline response to AJ leaving to go to WWE. So yeah, wow. they had this match where like the AJ's celebrating on uh Kenny's shoulders and then Kenny hits him with the one-winged oh, angel wow. and then yeah, perfect. him and the box just go to work on him. And- <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah, it was the day after Wrestle Kingdom 10 in 2016, which was the Styles Nakamura match we just mentioned. Uh-huh. But yeah, I don't know. Did they ever? AJ and Kenny never had a match, though, did they? Match proper. At um, least not in New Japan, because they would have been together. I mean, I can't think of one, you know, maybe like early in the indie days, but, you know, there's not one I can think of offhand. Yeah, like, like you know, yeah, like. I, the, I, they're so similar too. like, and they both have the long hair and they're both have like this sort of like flashy, this kind of flair to yeah. them. Uh, you know, he's like, like slightly bigger and stronger, yeah. but not significantly. Yeah. But yeah, they're definitely, again, like you said, you wouldn't expect them to be that freakishly oh. athletic. Oh yeah. And AJ and AJ Styles is kind of like a cannonball a little bit, you know? Yeah. 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 He kind of, he kind of has that sort sort of momentum about him. So no, I came away with this impressed with both of the, both of those wrestlers, both with AJ Styles and Suzuki. Um, more than I'd seen them now, you know, and I think for different reasons, but I mean, but they were also sort of, you know, playing the hits too, you know, the things that I like about Minoru Suzuki uh, and AJ Styles. Well, and you mentioned with age, it's a different Suzuki, definitely in the fact that he's, you know, lost a little step. Of course, he's like 53 now. Uh, He can't take as many bumps, but what you saw here more so was a much more sadistic, mean, yeah. angry, like just from the facial expressions coming down to the ring. Well, and he's playing the heel down. here, right? Like, oh, I, I, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely I playing mean, the heel. Actually, it's kind of a heel-heel match, frankly, really? here. I mean, because yeah. Styles is the Bullet Club. So two faction leaders here kind of battling yeah. for supremacy. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of heel versus heel, but the crowd's just eating it up the whole way. And also I love Doc Gallows' um, Juggalo paint. On his face, <laughs> and he came out there like he totally looked like a juggalo. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen too much of their matches in New Japan, but yeah, Azar, I feel like he wore that face paint a decent amount, right? Yeah, because there was something that like him and Carl Anderson did that because also like early in pre Bullet Club, Tama had face face paint and Prince did yeah. before doing the Demon in WWE. Like so, I, I don't know what the genesis of all that was, but it's yeah. something that it was it was happening. But yeah, I guess there wasn't a large <laughs> enough Western uh, audience that it was ever explained in English. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we don't know what they're saying half. But that was mostly pre-English commentary. Though I know I sent you the English commentary yeah, version, yeah, that's recorded like much later. Yeah. So like they. Oh like, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, 
he's they, gone back and done a lot of matches like in the past. So yeah, yeah. It wasn't so, like live English. So he knows yeah. the end result. Oh, I want to watch like I, I, all my anime I watch in Japanese. Okay. So, so, so if there are yeah. subs, I, 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 I'm, I'm a sub guy, not a dub well, guy. Well, now, now yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just yeah. said English because I figure it's easier to understand. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It's not the natural. Uh, you know, when they do it live, it's better. Obviously, yeah. but yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. Let me toss in one other thing. About, Please, uh, there, there's yeah. a lot to yeah. talk through here. So let's just. I mean, we used to kind of go move by move here, but that's just too much. So I have them all here. Let's yeah. yeah let's just talk about the match and yeah. Sure. What, what do you got? Well, again, with Bo mentioning, just seeing a different AJ and a more athletic side, and I think what is interesting is that, like, that New Japan run really, like, was a point that he kind of at least showed off how strong his all-around game was. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these uh, like TNA stuff where he really made a name for himself was much more, I guess, comparable to, like, a 90s Shawn Michaels that, it was so it was much more dependent on how athletic he was versus like when you watch these new Japan and his early WWE matches that you see a guy who's still very athletic, but has become much smarter in his timing and sequencing and creativity. And I think that's the other thing that, you know, I watched the, the style Suzuki match, you know, at a time that I was watching the monthly WWE pay-per-views on the network back then. And it was something that like, there was a flow to this match and a pace that they were working at that you didn't see often. And all these setups for the moves flowed so naturally that oh, yeah. it just, it, it was really easy to just dial in. Just, yeah. just, you don't, you didn't, you didn't see that on you know the kind of stuff that we had easy access to. No, not at all. And I mean, again, from the bell, they have the stare down, which is awesome. But like, once it gets going, they never stop. And not that the pace is at a fever pitch the whole time, but the intensity is Yeah, from the bell and it never goes away. And Suzuki, absolutely relentless on working that arm. Bo, you mentioned it earlier on the ropes. He also did it outside on the guardrail and then also out in the crowd onto a chair and just multiple different arm submissions throughout the match, really working the fingers, ripping at the fingers multiple times. But, yeah, the Suzuki you see now, like more Grandpa Suzuki, he does a lot of the, (laughs) like, sadistic, like, laugh at people. You didn't even see that here. You just see mean, angry Suzuki who just wants to kill you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, no nonsense here from him. Oh, yeah. And I think you could get a Suzuki like this against like a, a Danielson. You wouldn't get a Suzuki like this against a Moxley. You know, a Moxley uh, fight would be a lot more terrestrial, you know, and grounded versus, you know, something that's a lot more bouncy like this was. Yeah. 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 I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, funny, funny you mentioned those two guys, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he had really good matches with both of them, yeah. you know, in the past, what, two years? Mm hmm. Yeah, because yes, Moxley Suzuki was in New Japan 2020, like right before the pandemic. Yeah. yeah and it was definitely more just kind of your brawl. Like I know mm-hmm. they went outside a lot. And obviously, but then Bo's talking this Suzuki too, yeah. not compared to, but mm-hmm. it all works, no yeah, doubt it, about it. it. I think one other thing that you watch in this match is that it feels much more, I guess, like in the moment for the storytelling. Versus, like, I think some of, again, like, I don't know when I was watching the Ishii Cole match from Rampage and the Suzuki matches that he's had, like, they're good. And I think they're great introductions to someone that's never seen him. 
but there's just I think a lot more, like there's so much better that you know both guys can do, but it's just not time story wise for them to go to that level yet. Yeah, right. these guys need the the audience, new audiences need to see who these guys are. But like again, since we know like Brett and I know who these guys are, mm-hmm. deep down we're hoping that you know some random new Japan guy just walks out, draws Danielson or Kenny or whoever, uh-huh. and just puts on something that, you know, you'd expect in a G1 like this. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason I was thinking this was the first night of the G1, but clearly it wasn't. Um, I think I was thinking of the Kenny-Suzuki match from 2017. That was night one, right? I think that's what... I think that's what I had in my head. Maybe I'm even wrong on that, but this was like nice halfway through the tournament. Um, again, AJ is the champ. He, he lost to Okada night one. Is this this is Okada ends up beating Nakamura for the for the G1? But anyway, I loved when Bo you referenced the interference earlier. Let's talk about that yeah. one perfectly like timed. Like it, yeah. it was like a minute or less. It didn't overstay its welcome. They came in, they got out and refocused on the match. So, like, mm-hmm. I love that because it didn't throw anything off. Uh, but I love that once, like, Suzuki was running – or AJ was running into Suzuki in the corner and Red Shoes was there, Suzuki moves and AJ hammers Red Shoes. And not three seconds later, Taka Michinoku is in the ring. It was almost, mm-hmm. like, immediate. Once contact was made with Red Shoes, boom, there's Taka. And he's just wailing on AJ. And then here comes the good brothers and Juggalo uh, Gallows there mm-hmm. for, you know, 10 seconds. And then yeah. here comes the killer, killer elite squad, Lance Archer and Davy Boy Smith Jr., who, Bo, that is the British, British Bulldog son. son. Yeah, yeah. And then, that, that's, uh, what, what, what's her name? Anna Hart. Uh, Diana Hart. Smith. Di- Diana Hart Smith's son is mine. Yes. Are they, are they both still alive? Is uh, Bulldog's not still alive? Is, Bulldog is, is not. He passed away early, like 2000 or something like that. Yeah, like early 2000s. Yeah. Interestingly enough, my, my buddy Adam Graydon's roommate freshman year in college was apparently like his son or like Bulldog had married another woman. And that oh, wow. Was his, yeah. Some some weird relation to British Bulldog, which is pretty funny. <laughs> oh, like but an yeah, illegitimate another, child of British Bulldog? That's no, fucking, I, think, I think that he had gotten with this. Like, I don't think he yeah. and Diana stayed. I, I may be wrong. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, there was something to it. His name was Brad McGovern. Brad McGovern. And I don't right. know why I remember that. But wait, was um, this in Louisville? No. This oh, is I was going to say, like, yeah. <laughs> My buddy went to UK, but yeah, the, it, the interference was done very well. I thought, like it came um, in when it when it had a window and it served yeah, its purpose, and then, exactly. and then it was gone. Both mm-hmm. guys were kind of cashed at that point because the Good Brothers had just wailed, or Taco wailed on AJ. The Good Brothers wailed on Suzuki. Killer Elite Squad come push them all out, and then we're back to business. Like the most inoffensive, effective. I mean, it was kind of pointless, but like you said, Azo, the story here is Bullet Club Suzuki Goon in the moment. So it's clearly it's kind of feeding into that. Yeah. Um, Both of them also, like, I think it's kind of forgotten now, but like Suzuki Goon also used to have a ton of interference back, you yes. know, pre like Kenny face turn, probably. And I mean, Bullet Club was founded on interference. Like they would yeah. always be interfering, you know, in the early Prince Devitt days and whatnot. But so one spot sequence that I absolutely loved 
um, was so they kind of had they had a lot of like submission counters and like one guy had the ankle lock and then the other would slip out of it. So it started with AJ like picking him up and trying to hit the Styles Clash. Suzuki kind of slips out the back, gets yeah. an ankle lock. Then AJ is able to counter him into his own ankle lock and then Suzuki into his ankle lock. And then AJ tries to counter it. And then he slaps an arm bar on him. Like after he'd been working the arm all match, I just wrote damn in my notes. And it reminded me, uh, Azar, if you remember this, the 2003 rumble angle versus Benoit match, Ooh, yeah. like that, that type of sequence of just those incredibly fast and smooth ankle lock counters and just like, whoa, that was amazing. I mean, the arm work is just so good here. And they AJ does such a good job in like key moments of the match to either reference it after getting hit by a move or like between moves or like as something that's keeping him from hitting a move or like being able to finish off Suzuki. He had some great selling too. I mean, both guys really, but AJ especially, like he was definitely kind of working around that arm. Um, and then kind of after that arm bar, AJ kept fighting it. And that's when Suzuki kept just torquing it down multiple times. You think he might tap and then he's wrenching at the fingers and then he's able to hit him with kind of a weak styles clash that I don't even think he ends up making the cover. Cause it was just like no. desperation. Um, and then they get back up. Suzuki spits in his face. Then we get the slaps, yeah. series of hard slaps at the end. And then Suzuki with the straight fist, if you remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Right at the very it's end fist. of the match, he just fucking lays in a fist yeah. to the face. Yeah, Red Shoes is just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like... And per usual, not doing his job and disqualifying him. But And then immediately after that, AJ hits a Pele kick. And then the big... Full four styles clash in the middle for the one, two, three. And then I loved, I don't know, Bo, I'm sure Azar, you've probably seen this, but Bo, if you watched like a couple minutes after the match where they do the ice bag, Suzuki's yeah. walking out and he just chucks it back in. Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> and he's kind of just looking so angrily at Styles and still talking shit to him. Like, yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah, I remember seeing okay. that. that was funny. <laughs> I mean, now that you've seen some Suzuki, Bo, I'll, I'll bounce this off you because I think sure. Brett and I are kind of in agreement about it. Like, the guy is really good at making it seem in character that it's great that he could win, mm -hmm. but he wants to win through the process of doing as much damage and inflicting as much pain as he can. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes for a really interesting dynamic when, like, in this match, you can see when he like he sort of delayed going for his finisher, like the, that pile driver does. Not style, uh, yeah. yeah. But like contrasting it with this other match with Jay White from a couple years later, where yeah. he goes for the gotch style and no hesitation, no struggle, nothing, just instantly, just like no bullshit, like I'm done with you. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really interesting. Like it works, and I think also kind of makes him look strong, even if he doesn't win a match. Yeah, because. He's just this crazy guy who likes to hurt people. Doing oh, yeah. it his way. Oh, yeah. literally, literally, I, I think uh, like almost all, if not all, Minoru Suzuki matches I've seen, he's lost. You know, like I, I don't think very many I've seen. Yeah. Like in AEW, he's won. You know, yeah, uh, not, he, not against Moxley, not against Danielson. Was, uh, yeah, not against Kingston. Kingston, no. he fought. Um, yeah. 
There's been a few. Other, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he had because though he won the ROE. Oh, Samoa Joe just beat him. Yeah, yeah. As we saw. Uh-huh. Did he win that tag that was on Rampage Grand Slam? Because I think I missed that. Oh, yeah. I don't even. It was Moxley and was it Mox and Kingston against he and Archer? Yeah, I'm guessing Archer ate the, ate the L there. Yeah, I don't even remember yeah. who won. Yeah. I think Kingston and Moxley. Would make sense that yeah. Kingston and Moxley but, won. But, but I guess it, it just goes to show, like he's a he's a you know very entertaining, brutal wrestler, you know. Like he's a very entertaining, slow paced guy, you know. And uh, like I don't know, like like that, it, like especially in AEW where everything's very like fast and vertical, you know that stands out. And it could stand out in a bad way if it's not done well, but it's done in a really good way even in defeat. So I yeah. don't know. Mad respect for Minoru Suzuki. Like anytime, like I know, you know like I'm, he's in a fight. I'm, I'm down. Yeah, it's, you, you slow pace but high intensity. Like yeah, you yeah. said, like that's kind of the hallmark of like all Japan Kings Road, New Japan, some New Japan strong style. It's like even though they're not going as fast as possible, like everything is focused. Everything makes sense. Everything builds naturally. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this one just was a quick you know 16 and a half minutes but it felt longer yeah um one just quick note i had here i don't know if you guys caught this it was about the 10 minute mark right after uh suzuki was working the fingers again and aj like kind of goes to the corner and he he yells he broke my finger (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i just thought that was funny but um and i wrote at 10 minutes in a lot has happened so that was the thing, like you said, Bo, very condensed. Like it, it, I just said it felt longer than it was because they got a lot of shit oh, in it. Well, well, the work was just so good. Oh, in that first 10 minutes, we had like all those stuff outside the ring when it kind yeah. of like spilled outside of the guardrails. We had the interference, I believe, happened in that first 10 minutes. Like, so, so. Like, 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 like we went through yep. a lot of beats in the yep. first 10 minutes, and then it, the match kind of was able to sort of breathe after that. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I also loved early on when they were outside for first minute or two when Suzuki first whips AJ into the guardrail and he jumps over the guardrail in one fell swoop, gets on top of it and hits the phenomenal forearm off it, which was great. And then further subsequent phenomenal forearms in the ring. One of them, I remember Suzuki caught him in the arm bar, like coming down. That was perfect. But yeah, Azar, you said it. The arm work was incredible. Um, just great psychology and storytelling within the match. And, uh, yeah, it's a fucking banger, baby. And, uh, like you said, a great entry point for someone for whether it be AJ Styles or who's maybe only seen WWE AJ Styles, who's maybe only seen old man AEW Suzuki or someone who's maybe not too familiar with new Japan. It's, uh, excellent match i i got a question that i've been wondering i guess since the beginning of this uh, why is aj styles still like lingering around in wwe i'm sure money is a big thing but it's like i know he's won the championship twice you know that was part of my wikipedia dive but like <laughs> what, what like what is there left for him to like do there like you know like kind of what, what like what is like what could you imagine like his sort of goal or trajectory is i think he's just on that last rodeo track like yeah he, how old is he? He's like 40s. He's like 45, maybe okay, 46. Okay. Like he's older than you think. And uh-huh. yeah, I think the money's great. Probably mm-hmm. not, you know, not putting nearly as much punishment on his body. Yeah. Um, but I think he's basically said he's gonna stay in WWE till the end of his career, right? Wow. Azar, like, do you remember 
I feel like he said that he initially planned to retire by now. Yeah. But again, like, because again, like he he's still been good, but he's he's lost a step and for sure. Yeah. He's in a place where you know you can lose a step and be okay. You know, it's yeah. not like he's in a G one getting exposed by all these guys who mm-hmm. you know are gonna outclass him if you lose that step. But I feel like he could still go over today and be a hammer in the G1. Not that that – obviously, that's not yeah. going to happen. But I feel like he could still get one quality – like, he's still got that in him, I think. I, mean, I think there's something else that I just thought that's interesting. So, like Brett mentioned, Bo, AJ mm-hmm. essentially showed up in New Japan out of nowhere. And it was the same night that Prince Devitt got kicked out of Bullet Club. So, like, the original guy in charge – and then AJ shows up, essentially takes over, and wins the title. Like, within a month, basically. Like, like since then, showing up, like, you know, like, did he have any, like, hype before that or any sort of... Yeah, I mean, know, he okay. was big in, you know, his whole career at TNA and Ring of Honor. So, yeah, I mean, he definitely had hype, but not really to the New Japan audience. You know, right. like, I'm sure a lot of them knew who he was, but to be a foreigner and come over there and make that big of an impact immediately is yeah. incredible and azar i think you had finished your thought there i mean i guess where i was going with this i just hearing both thoughts on just this that is a storytelling mechanism that you bring in an outsider and you run with them as champ mm-hmm. really early on because like you look back at like all japan in the like 90s and like, right before masao and all them left or like early new japan like it was kind of common that in Japan, they bring in, you know, these big, hairy American guys and, you know, have them squash everybody and then have someone beat them. Yeah. But there's not really an, equi- an equivalent in, uh, especially in, like, recent American, like, like top-tier wrestling. WWE rarely brings in somebody yeah. and, and makes them champ in the first six months. And, like, fast yeah. tracks them like that, you know. I mean, yeah. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was one. Obviously, that was two thousand. You know, I mean, he won it pretty quickly. I know there's probably one or two others, but yeah, that's just not something that happens too much. Right. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you got to like take time to invest in the store and build them and kind of just bring them in. I mean, that's sort of if you think about all the new AEW guys, they're all kind of on the slow track. I mean, they've you know some of them have had title matches, like Danielson had some, you know, pretty yeah. early on. But like you know, you kind of knew. You know, and every, yeah, everyone knew who he was coming yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Too, you know, I mean, yeah. but yeah, uh, hey, any uh, any final thoughts? I guess I'd be remiss, I was going to say it earlier, but we were all just talking about this speaks directly to my main event match for the AEW WWE Fantasy Book Show, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. Kenny versus Styles versus Prince Devitt, a.k.a. Finn Balor. Uh-huh. So we were ta- you know, talking about the three Bullet Club leaders, but obviously that's a match that's never happened and probably will never happen. But yeah. that's why I put it as my main event, because it's truly a dream match that's probably not going to happen. But damn, it would be pretty cool to see. Didn't Azar, I don't remember when Devitt left, did they do a similar angle with AJ where they kind of forcibly kicked him out? I, I'm not sure because I think there was – I feel like there was some loser leaves town that they had Devitt in. That sounds about right. And just because they turn on everybody, I feel like the Young Bucks probably turned on him after he lost that match. Like, I'm willing to bet 
that that there was some aspect of the young bucks turning on him in the midst of all that yeah although at least in their right role for sure i mean yeah that was like peak young bucks if you ask me like new japan shithead heels i mean as, as characters at least i mean obviously they can still have great matches that's for sure but mm-hmm. um yeah anything uh anything else to add here not off the top of my head <laughs> i mean i think again we just need to uh yeah you know depending on what happens with new japan in the coming months maybe find another uh suzuki match sure send bo's way like maybe tanahashi from king of pro wrestling 2012 or oh yeah um that segura match from noah you know open oh, that yeah. can of worms that's a banger for sure yeah, oh no. was the was the loser leaves did they do it against taguchi sorry cutting back to that yeah. i think that's what it was yeah because yeah they were tag partners before starting bullet club apollo 55 because i didn't he turn on taguchi essentially to join bullet club or start bullet club yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Speaking of Taguchi, I just watched the him and Osprey 2016 Best of Super Juniors final. Have you seen that one? I don't still think I've gotten I think you mentioned it before. Yeah, it's the second watch. It's it's the most serious uh Taguchi ever has been, and it's awesome. But anyway, quick aside there. Um, I know we've you Azar, you and I have talked about it, obviously off there. We need to do our first quarter uh rankings here so we don't end up doing a three-hour show at the end of the year. So uh even though we're well past the first quarter, we're more it'll be more like a trimester. Yeah, but, trimester, uh, yeah. We'll have to get you on here soon. Let's uh let's get that going here maybe over the next couple of weeks when you are done with school. Sounds good. Yeah, I know I've got uh a preliminary top 10 or so so i'll i saw it ready yeah yeah i'm gonna make like probably a 25 because shit i've got 140 something (laughs) (laughs) we're going crazy this year folks but uh azar thank you again for joining us always a pleasure to talk with you on the air because you and i talk so much about this off the air Uh, So thank you for joining us, and we will talk again very, very soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Catch you soon. Neato, of course. Petito. And we're back for the finale of the All, if you recall, episode. And, Bo, I know. You've been waiting for this one. <laughs> the Chop Fest. The Chop Fest. Well, this match was not so-so because how did it go? There was a great flow. Um, when I was um, tempted to not pay attention, I said no. Because uh, <laughs> it's such a great show. It's such a great show. It certainly didn't blow. Yeah, no, it certainly didn't blow. I mean, I was caught up in its undertow. Um, like, it was, it, it was just... Um, yeah, yeah, let's leave it at that. So we'll introduce our guest now. Uh, <laughs> Ring of Honor extraordinaire and now the host of, what, three, four different podcasts? Yeah, technically. We'll, we'll let you talk about those here in a bit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. the one, the only Midwestern prince of positivity, he's high five. Tom, do you like my Chad there? <laughs> I, I do, I do. Well, gentlemen, uh, the million-dollar question is... um. How the fuck are you? 
Oh, been waiting, been waiting for oh, yeah. that one all day. I'll tell you what, <laughs> all all year, frankly. All year, yeah, yeah. You know, I kind of it had slipped into the back of my mind, but you teed it oh, up I, there really well. I, I knew it was coming. I'm doing pretty well. There. I had yeah. a great weekend. You know, Mondays are Mondays. It wasn't too bad. A little dreary yeah. here, but it was beautiful all weekend. Got mm-hmm. some golf in as I talked to you and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, things yeah, are pretty good. The weather's definitely been kind of by the, at least it didn't snow today, but yeah, it was 70 on Saturday. Yeah. And then yeah. But today we had eight, we had low we days. had low 80s here all weekend. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Your brew your brewers doing well. Our yeah. reds are no, not. Okay. No, no. It's <laughs> three and thirteen. Yeah. Worst record in the league. What's well, that? Your ownership team sucks. Oh, we know. Yeah. yeah. It's really just the son of the main owner, but yeah, they all yeah. they stink. Yeah, you just know, like I, I, I was looking into that. I'm like, well, maybe what that guy said got taken out of context. And I'm nope. like, no. No. Nope. No, I read the sure whole thing. I'm like, oh, you're really toned down. Yeah, just right before like the opening home <laughs> game, too. Just, yeah. And I think the fans have reacted too, because like I've seen tons of pictures of poor attendance. Oh, and yeah. like there was someone like there were people with paper bags on, and like some people like to- forced to remove them, really? which is oh, wow. pretty insane. But yeah. anywho, we're not here to talk about the shitty Reds or the good Brewers, but we're here to talk about the 2005 war from Ring of Honor that is Samoa Joe match of the year, Kenta Kobashi. Yeah, I think I'm pulling it up right now as we speak, but I think this is a uh, Ring of Honor's highest rated match on cagematch.net, I believe, for what oh, that's wow. worth. You know, that's just one one metric. But uh, yeah, this one is uh, definitely a banger. And I just confirmed it is 9.68 rating from 10-1-2005. Tom, wow. I, I talked a little bit about this with you before we dig in. Had you seen this match in its entirety before this, or is this your first full viewing of it? This was my first full viewing of it. That's what um, I thought. I had seen some highlights, and yeah. obviously, you know, I'd heard about it, you know, and I've, I've been digging into a lot of things. I just hadn't gotten to this one, and I'm glad you guys had me on because holy shit. Yeah, and obviously with Samoa Joe just signing with AEW, you know, I think Bo had made a comment like, yeah, I haven't really seen any of his great matches uh no he was so, kind of he was kind of inert a little bit in nxt while we were there you know or sort yeah, of like, a, non, like a, a non-wrestling general manager role for a yeah. bit and then he came back and just had the one match and i yeah. i remembered you had you, you may not remember it but you had seen kobashi once that was when it was post double or nothing last year when we had mike oh yeah there. okay and it was like 12 30 at night after right. a lot of beers but we watched the uh <laughs> Kobashi versus Kensuke Sasaki match from Noah, I believe also 2005, maybe 2004, but that was a chop fest as well, where it was like four and a half minutes straight of chops. Do you remember that? Like it just literally didn't stop for like four and a half minutes, but uh, this one, they'd get a little more uh, in, you know, a little more shit going on, but uh, yeah, it is a banger indeed. As I pull it up here. um, Yes. October 1st, 2005, Okay, it wasn't Hammerstein Ballroom. The New Yorker Hotel Grand Ballroom was the venue. Which, if I'm not mistaken, is upstairs from Hammerstein, I think. Okay, it definitely had a similar Oh, oh, it's upstairs? Like, man, could you imagine just hearing the stomps from the floor below? 
Like just hearing <laughs> right. the sounds of this match, like I bet it would sound like there's a you know a giant bowling ball going on up there. I could be wrong. I probably should have researched that better. Hey, Um, you recently went to Hammerstein, right, for a GCW show. Was that your first time there? Yeah. Definitely an iconic wrestling venue. How was it being there? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, we were way up in the balcony. I mean, I was uh, sitting next to Sting, you know, but it was still cool enough to be, you know, in the building. (laughs) Um, It was a great show, great company and everything. So, I mean, you walk in there and you can definitely kind of feel – I mean, we've talked a dozen times, but I'm a venue mark. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and just walking that place, I was like, oh. Um, yep. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. It's definitely got a lot of history, so. Yep, and the yeah. New Yorker Hotel Grand Ballroom definitely had a similar look. But for our match, a literal dream match, that phrase gets tossed around a lot these days. But this is one of the biggest dream matches, I think, ever in which Kenta Kobashi defeats Samoa Joe with Jay Lethal in 23 minutes, 42 seconds. And I know I, that Kobashi did like a tag match either the night before or night after. I know yeah. those were his only two Ring of Honor appearances. I had read something that part of his like hesitation for doing this match was that he Kobashi didn't think American fans would know him or recognize him. And, yeah. uh, that couldn't have been further from the truth. The, <laughs> the crowd was absolutely electric throughout. And um, Bo and I were just talking with Azar beforehand. This is his first, what would we like to call front row match, meaning mm-hmm. the match video had no commentary. Oh. So you just hear the fans and the crowd and it kind of provides a different uh, aspect of things. Um, I don't know how you watched it, Tom. We'll get into that. But yeah. Bo, like we do, What'd you think? And what'd you think specifically of kind of watching something with no commentary as well? I liked it. I don't know if I'd like it every time, but I, li- I liked it kind of this time, just with sort of the intimate setting and just the grainy, you know, fil- you know, like it-, it seemed like an indie show, but like the, what was happening was just much like bigger and more powerful and, and grander and just more epic than that. Um, yeah. So like having that contrast there was a whole lot of fun. Um, you know, and seeing the New Japan show before this and seeing it also in a small barroom, it did have the commentary, obviously. But, uh, you know, like it like kind of like seeing because like, I literally watched those back to back and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, like seeing sort of what the commentary. Had. I mean, honestly, I would say probably of the two, I think I I think the pre the, the styles and uh, Suzuki one was probably better in ring. But this one I enjoyed more. Okay. Uh, this one, this one, I had uh, I had a lot more fun with that. Uh, that Kabashi guy is built like an apartment complex. You know, <laughs> he is. He, he is a tank. Yeah, yeah he, he is. And um, you know, of course, Mimosa Joe's who he is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, this just had like the fun, very sort of slow wrestling match. Like you know, the, like the 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 chopping is obviously sort of our centerpiece here, but there's some good stuff outside of the ring too. You know, especially no like whenever. Um, the the what's that the Samoa Joe charge where they go ole ole you know they sing yeah. that yeah is that something they yeah. still do well they would do that for El Generico but this was obviously predating him for sure so yeah, Tom yeah. I don't know do you know where the ole kind of originated because that's who I always associated it with I did too so I, I I'm not sure um, yeah. to be honest with you so I mean I just think it's something that they do when people are at the around. Ring of Honor fans I think yeah, yeah. El Generico Bo being Sami Zayn his character back oh, in Ring okay. of Honor so his whole thing because he was the Mexican luchador that uh-huh. is what he was they would do the Olay 
but yeah, this was obviously, you know, a few years before he really kind of came around. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, you're right. It was as he was like charging him outside and he did the, he kicked him over the, uh, the guardrail there, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Well, unless, and like, and it's weird. (laughs) I mean, obviously he didn't know, um, how the fans were going to react, but I mean, when I watched the match full, because I watched it in two different versions, we'll get into that later. But yeah, when he came out of the curtain, he's just like, shit, people like actually know who I am, maybe. Yeah. And the, feed, could... the feed we watched, unfortunately, just started with him in the ring, but yeah, like the yeah. crowd was already at a fever pitch by this. Oh, point. yeah. So. Well, and like there are some good, like, you know, like I remember um, Joe goes like over the guardrail and he literally like spills into the seats. You know, you don't really oh, see yeah. that anymore. You know, where people have to like clear, you know, clear out and do that. You know, yeah, he um, like, like chopped him, didn't he? Yeah, he chopped him over it, right? Yeah. And then yeah, I, Joe like, kicked him over it earlier. So yeah. yeah, they both, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. You know, both of these two matches we watched back to back, you know, had, uh, or I watched back to back, had a uh, really good um, out of the ring kind of stuff ha- that happened early on. No doubt about it. And it, uh, and it wasn't too much, you know, I mean, yeah. it was outside, no. but it wasn't like gratuitous. Mm-hmm. Um, Unlike the Windy City Riot, I mean, half that show was outside the ring, but it's not our story in itself. Um, but yeah, one of the feeds that I watched is actually, so it was Todd Sinclair, uh, the ref for this match, and Ian Riccoboni going yes. over. Yes, you sent so. that to me, and I meant to watch it, but I didn't. But I will probably go back and watch it. I'm sure they provided some great commentary and context into things as well. Yeah, and listen, and Todd Sinclair brought up the fact that it was there was no count at that time in Ring of Honor. There was no countouts. Really, oh, really, yeah, interesting. Except for, except for except for the pure division, I didn't even think gold. about that. Yeah. So they weren't even counting at all. No, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's totally it's uh, totally up to ref, uh, referee discretion. Um, wow. Todd Sinclair's like, yeah, are you fucking crazy? I'm not <laughs> <gonna die." laughs> yeah. Could you <laughs> imagine at this place? Yeah, Kobashi versus Joe one time dream match with that crowd count out. <laughs> Yeah, that no, no, place okay. yeah, literally would riot. And um, I do want you know we'll get to this, but I mean there was really the, the fourth participant in this match. Really, I mean the crowd was fucking hot. Oh my goodness! Yeah, um, I mean obviously, time. you know I, I'm very biased towards Ring of Honor, obviously for various reasons, but man, for a thousand people, it sounds like they're in a ten thousand person stadium. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean the crowd helped make this match. Very, no very doubt coordinated, about it. very very on the same page. You know, yeah, everybody was there for it. Yeah, well, Tom, there's all in one level too, so everyone is standing up. So yeah, there was one point where there was a crowd chant that broke out when they were fighting outside. I heard a bunch of people like, "We can't see shit." Something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit! Well, Thomas, about first off, anything else for you to add, just in your kind of general overview here? Uh, not off the top of my head, uh, you know, outside, I, I guess I was a little surprised at the result too. I guess I didn't, I didn't know how, how, um, ingrained Samoa Joe was. And I assume Kabashi was like borrowed from all Japan or new Japan. He was know. a Noah cool. at this point. So Noah, he was okay. fresh off a two year title reign in Noah, like okay. one of the most epic title reigns in all of Japan. He'd lost it like seven months prior. Right. Um, so he's definitely towards the end of his career. I think he ended up retiring in 2013, yeah. you know, something yeah. like that. But like yeah. he's still in his kind of like end of his prime here. So right. and Joe was kind of still 
mean, I guess he'd been Ring of Honor champ here, right? Yeah, he just, he just, yeah, he. Just, I'm not sure how far, but Austin Aries had just beaten him okay. relatively recently. So yeah, I mean, it, it's again like we were talking about um, off air about the New Japan AEW show coming up. It's tough to book like interpromotional matches because someone's going to have to lose. And in this case, interestingly enough, it is the ROH guy who ends up taking the L. But again, to an absolute legend maybe the best wrestler of all time, you know, in some circles. So yeah, I think that's why your result is the way it is. Like, again, this guy was still, still in his peak, but kind of yeah. slowly getting out of it. Right. But, well, yeah. he, and he was on offense for most of the time too. Like he seemed to like control things pretty well against Joe. Yeah. It was a lot of, and there was a lot of flurries though. Like so much back and forth shit, like the Kawada kicks, which I fucking love that Joe yeah. kept bringing those in, kept bringing the, those are both like when Kabashi's head was down and Joe's just kind of kicking. Oh, kicking, okay. Kicking, kicking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are called Kawada kicks. Kawada is one of the four pillars from all Japan as well. So that's kind of him just shoving it in his face a little bit, just over and over. But mm-hmm. Tom, why don't you kind of give us just uh, give us your overview, your rundown, especially since, you know, you are a huge ring of honor guy and you'd never seen this match. And as I mentioned on cage match, it's at least rated the highest of all ring of honor matches. So I don't know if you would necessarily agree with that, but I'd love to just hear your off the cuff thoughts here on uh, Joe Kobashi. Um, it, it lived, I mean, listen, sometimes when you see things like, I mean, you hear about it for years and years and years, mm-hmm. and by the time you actually see it, it doesn't live up to the hype. Yep. This left up, lived up to the hype. I mm-hmm. don't know much about Kanta Kobashi. Um, I know the name, obviously. Um, and still kind of reaching into, into just, I, I know of Samoa Joe, I knew of Samoa Joe even before I was even back into wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, you, and I've heard rumblings of this match, but yeah, it was. It was well told. It was well paced. Um, it was, I mean, the crowd was hot. I mean, the crowd, sometimes the crowd will kind of hijack a show, but these guys, it seemed like they were fully invested. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like Kobashi playing to the crowd, from what I understand, is not something he normally does. Not a ton, no. Um, and he just looked like he was, they both look as for as much as you can have fun getting to live and shit kicked out of yourself. <laughs> These two look like they were having fun. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, you know, and, and I use this phrase a lot, but it was a great story told through violence. Yes. You know, it wasn't violence for the sake of violence. And you get the handshake to start per usual. Yeah. So, like, it's respect. Yeah. And I'd say Joe definitely playing the heel. I mean, I've said Kobashi, probably the best baby face ever. Yeah. Maybe Hiroshi Tanahashi, but... Hmm. Um, Joe was incredible in the heel role, but again, the crowd loved him too. So they were yeah. just hyped for everything going on. Yeah. I just, I just think the fans were there for wrestling and, um, this really, I mean, cause I mean, ring of honor at this point, it's only three and a half years old. Yeah. Still really? pretty new. Wow. Yeah. Um, and they're, yep. and they're starting to get their feet under him. And I think this match, I mean, because with all the, you know, the, and I wouldn't say hype, but all the hyperbole after the match really, I think put ring of honor kind of on that on that trajectory interesting yeah i didn't even think of it like that because yeah they're definitely more of a smaller kind of growing company at this point yeah and to have a true legend come over and you know have a crowd reaction like this yeah that's definitely a big deal yeah i mean a ring of honor fans are definitely more smarkier i mean i mean they i mean it showed 
Um, but yeah, this, I mean, yeah, it really lived up to the hype. I mean, it was, it was amazing. I don't, I don't know what else to say. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Bo, I'll be curious. What did you think of Kobashi's chops? Cause some know. of the, like, I remember the first one he laid in and then basically like anytime the first one he would hit in the succession, it would sound like a gunshot. Oh, well, yeah, well, it was that and you would see like the sweat just like kind of yeah. fly off of him and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I mean, it was like gratuitous, but in a good way, like it was just, you know, just, just red lining excessive. You know, yeah. just, just just like that, that whole part, uh, you know, all it really accomplished was just sort of just pinning Joe back in the corner. But oh, it was really entertaining. Gun chops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that's one of Kobashi's absolute staples is the uh-huh. machine gun chops where he gets them in the corner and just starts laying them in. And then he kind of stops and then did it again and then yeah. kind of stopped and did it again. And the crowd yeah. is going nuts. But that is definitely a big Kobashi trademark. Yeah, no, it no, it definitely seemed like a big thing. You know, it didn't like ultimately, I think, accomplish like it was kind of it was just sort of a fun spot. You it's, know, it entertain, it's entertaining it's, and it, you know you're still wearing on them a little bit but. yeah yeah it didn't ultimately accomplish much but it, like you know because it is what it is it's sort of the you know a big centerpiece of you know stuff and what i've come to expect from um you know japanese wrestlers who re- wrestle for like japanese companies in that style you know like i always expect like a good uh chop suey from them and boy did we get it you know yeah i've just got like multiple like laying in some hammers as my notes massive ch- like again the sound like no one really produces a sound like kenta kobashi yeah well i mean that guy like i've never seen anyone like really built like that too I know, it, was, it, was, it, it was like he, it was like he was like fuck leg day you know yeah. forever you know it's just all like upper body like like a yeah. thousand push-ups and curls yeah. and you know, uh, like like all sorts of like just normal resistance, like and you prison look at exercises, his, you know, his like measurables. He's like six, three, two eighty, something like that. But doesn't he seem so much bigger than that? Because, yeah. yeah, his upper body is just pure mass. Yeah, it is. He's just very wide. <laughs> yeah. And it's I mean, in both in the motor, I mean, both these guys aren't small in the no, fucking motor. That's the thing. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, Joe ain't small either. And that, yeah, this was what 23 something minutes. Yeah, 23 minutes. And they never stopped. Like, this is different from the Suzuki Styles Mm. match we just talked about because there's no no real submissions in this. I mean, yeah, you'll get some headlocks going. And I mean, Joe had the cross face on, but it wasn't built around submissions like that match. This was, like you said, Tom, it was just pure violence beating the hell out of each other and who can outlast their opponent ultimately. And that's what the King's road style of all Japan was. I said it many times on this show, like your video game health meter, you know, that's what these, you could see as the match went on, like Joe definitely wore down towards the end. And like, you could kind of see it in his face and Kobashi, you know, as cash as he was, like, he just never lost that fighting spirit. And obviously, you know, finished it with a lariat, as yeah. he typically would a lot of his matches. And, Bo, does that remind – do you remember the Walter Champa match? From oh, last yeah, year? of course. Stand and yeah, deliver? Yeah. Very it's probably, similar. It's, it's easily the best WWE match we watched during that run. Yeah, you know? very similar type match in that, like, they just kind of beat the piss out of each other. When it was all said and done, Walter just dropped him with one lariat, and that was yeah. that, because it's like, you got nothing left. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I, I don't know, but um, Ian Riccoboni said this might have been the only time that anyone's ever kicked out of the muscle buster at that mm. point. 
Yeah, and Bo, that's something you miss without commentary. The muscle buster, Joe's move, like when he had him up on his shoulders uh, and he ran and slipped. Yeah, great point. Like that's a very protected finisher. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have the commentary, you don't realize how big of a deal that is. So yeah, wow. great yeah. call. Is, there. It, is that still Joe's finisher to today? Yeah. Or, yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Even wow. though he almost killed Tyson Kidd with it, unfortunately. Yeah. But that's the way she goes. But yeah, sorry yeah. I cut you off, Tom. I'd be curious to hear more of what those guys said, like other interesting tidbits or nuggets that they had about the match as well, or Um, anything that you picked up, you know, favorite spots you had as well, of course, just anything you want to say. Um, well, I mean, the, the, before I forget this, the big thing is, do you think this match would have translated in a bigger venue? Because I mean, with the question, everything being a smaller venue, I I think um, it probably would have still been great, but not this great. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, and um, you know, there wasn't, um, they brought a lot, brought it up. Um, you know, Todd Sinclair was obviously worried about the language barrier, um, because he didn't actually get to talk to, uh, to him because I guess he was staying in said hotel. In the, I guess there's a hotel either in the building or something, yeah, it's the New York Grand not. Hotel, yeah, 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 it is a hotel, yeah. Um, so I think it's maybe the ball, um, who knows, um, but yeah, I mean, once again, yeah, there, there was no count out. And he's like, there's no way in fucking hell I'm counting these guys out. Yeah. Um, but I guess the owners of Noah really kind of grilled Todd Sinclair a bunch before this because they thought, you know, they were a little worried. Obviously, there's quote unquote a predetermined outcome, um, mm-hmm. but they just didn't want to make sure that he didn't screw them over. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of that. But yeah, he just said um, he really just got lost in the match and really just kind of focused on what's going on. Yeah, no, it was it, no. He definitely like that ref. Definitely was a lot of fun to watch it. Oh, you know, Todd, very, Todd very, 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 great, very yeah. spry. Yeah, and you wouldn't think he's a spry by looking at him. Either. He's a big, yeah. He's kind of a big boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he can I'm, move around. He gets real animated with his counts for sure. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, what I also noticed, like he did a he did when um Joe and uh, Kabashi were both down. He did there was a count out that went to like seven or eight or something like that. Oh, yeah. the count when they were both down in the yeah. ring. Yeah. 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 And I noticed how he would like go back and then like step into it and then get, yeah. You know, like, like, yeah, I don't, I, getting... like, 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 I assume that's custom for, for refs and stuff like that for like timing. Like that's their one Mississippi to Mississippi. Yeah. But like he, he, I don't know, through him, I really understood that. You know, he was really hamming it up for sure. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Lana. And obviously he said, you know, some Joe after the match was obviously completely spent. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, but I mean, if, if there's ever a textbook definition of somebody getting over by losing, it was this match. I mean, this is a textbook. I mean, yeah, Samoa oh, yeah. lost the match, but I mean, he won the war. Yeah, I mean, Kobashi obviously was at a level that he was never getting knocked off. And yeah, you're, I mean, not that Joe, you know, Joe was already a star there. And I believe he'd already maybe had at least some of, if not all of the punk matches at this point, you know, so that... Yeah. And then Ari, so like Joe was already a made man in ROH, but I think this probably just made him a made man, period, you know, and obviously he was doing a lot in TNA at this time as well. And I think yeah. him and Styles were always, to me, who was pretty much only a WWE fan until about 2017, like those were the two names that you'd always hear of like the best wrestlers that had never gotten to WWE. And I think this match probably went a long way in kind of putting Joe there, you know, like I, this kind of just set him off and he was amazing from here. I mean, he amazing before here, but 
Yeah, I mean his his championship run was before this, but and I mean, he had yeah. it for a while, right? Like he's, over he's the, a year. Well, he still is the longest one, yeah. longest reigning Ring of Honor champion, one reign or consecutive, or however you want to put it. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, I think yeah, this I mean this match just elevated everybody. I mean, it elevated Ring of Honor. Um, it put eyes on Noah. You know, it elevated you know Samoa Joe. Um, it cemented Kent, Kent Kobashi probably as I mean, obviously he's a legend at this point already but just prove the fact he's at another level. And that the American fans, you know, at least on that night, did know him and did treat him with that respect and love and everything. It's like, this guy's a king. Yeah. Yeah, and it was really cool to see. I mean, I mean, they, like I said, they were they were smiling ear to ear, you know, through the pain. So it was, it was cool. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, no, not to mention we've talked a lot about the chops, but also Joe had a bunch of slaps, but not only that, his kicks – like he was answering a lot of Kobashi's chops with kicks. So it'd be like chop, kick, chop, kick. And he was fucking laying those kicks in, no doubt about it. Like those were stiff. I mean, the whole match was fucking stiff, but like some of those kicks as well. Like these guys are just shaking it off. You know, the, yeah. the, it's just crazy to me how that happens. Like, I mean, both of their chests look like hamburger meat after this for sure. Kobashi hit a couple of nasty spinning back fists, including one that kind of set up the finish. But there was also a moment where Joe like caught one of the spinning back fists and then countered it. And I fucking lost it. Yeah. He countered it. It was like chop, chop, spinning back fist catch. Um, And I can't remember what he exactly countered it into. I've got so many notes here that I'm not even looking at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was an amazing moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's see if I can find it exactly, but. Yeah, yeah it was. I mean, it was. It, yeah, I, I don't know. It's. I mean, I, I was kind of wondering, like, so with, with my my podcast, we always talk about if I'd seen this TV episode, what have I started watching Ring, um, Ring of Honor? And I was wondering, like, if I had seen this match, like, within a year, would I have gotten back into? Because this definitely could have been something that would have piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because by '05, I was like completely out of wrestling. I mean, like. I, whatever i mean mm-hmm. you know and i'd hear rumblings i mean i didn't even have internet at this point in my life um not because it wasn't there just because it was too cheap and too broke um <laughs> you know and i i didn't so i was out of like any wrestling forums but you still hear rumblings of this match mm-hmm. um and like i said even not being in wrestling you do hear the name samoa joe out there and um because aj styles almost with wwe back in the early 2000s so you know samoa joe or uh, aj's name like you mentioned earlier but um, yeah, I mean, this, I think this is the match that really turned the corner for Ring of Honor at this point. Yeah, that's a great point. I did find the spot. So it was, um, Kobashi had had an abdominal stretch on, Joe got to the ropes, Kobashi had a headlock on, and he did like a chop to the face like this, like where he almost, like, just like this. Um, and then he was hitting him with the chops to the neck. Like he would go like the, like the repeated neck yeah. chops like that. And then he does the spinning back fist. Joe catches it. And the only name I know this move by, Tom, is the everything is evil, which is the evil's finisher. So he caught it and then, like, swept him and threw him down to the ground, you know, swept the leg and threw him down to the ground. 
Um, I don't know that move by any other name. I'm sure. Oh, it's is that like a name. Russian? The Russian. Light it's like a yeah, reverse yeah. Russian. That's light right. Okay, basically. yeah. So yeah. he did. That's when he caught it. Hit him with that, and then he did the running senton off the ropes. Like that mm. was definitely one of my favorite sequences of the match. Yeah, because I mean the action was because I mean yeah, Joe's kind of getting his ass kicked and it's kind of going down, down, down. And all yep. of a sudden, that that power meter he talked about in the video games. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden yeah. he went, caught a special move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because when he hit that move, it was like, oh, shit. Yeah, like that was after headlock. Like Joe had been in a headlock and then the the abdominal stretch. Yeah, he was wearing him down, wearing yep. him down. He was getting chopped to the neck and then he caught it. Ooh, that was a hell yeah, of a Yeah, I even jumped out of my seat. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is an audio podcast, but yeah, I just kind of. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, you, uh, I'll just, you almost faded into your galactic background <laughs> that you have right there. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. and shortly after that, that's when Joe was doing the punch, sla- punch, chop, punch, chop, punch, yeah. chop, with, yeah. which was Tenru, Tenru inspired. That now Ishii and Shingo both do as well. He was doing that, and then he tried to go for the power bomb, which was blocked. Quad kicks, quad kicks, quad kicks, and then he fucking buckle bombs him yeah. um, instead of the power bomb. So yeah, I mean, definitely seeing the strength of hell both these guys because those. Yeah. Multiple like half and half dragon suplexes that Kobashi hit at the end. Like, you know, they've been fighting for 20 minutes, giving everything they have. And both these guys are pushing 300 pounds. And like, you could tell like those suplexes took everything Kobashi had. And that is a big, strong man. But oh, yeah, again, yeah. they've just been through so much at that point. Yeah, it was. Yeah, this I mean, this match was I mean. Yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of follow the trajectory of Ring of Honor after that. But yeah, from what I from what I can tell, um, it definitely kind of put them at that because everyone was talking about the match. Yeah, you know? and it's you know, and it's kind of funny that we're doing that now, and we're just talking. There's another you know American company and Japanese company combining you know shortly thereafter. Yeah, you know, obviously, if you're listening to this three years from now, you'll know that the Forbidden Door has already gone on. But I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of weird. I mean, how that all comes back together. Yep. When yeah. I know Ring of Honor and Noah back then seemed to have a bit of a working relationship. Yeah, so, but again, for someone like Kobashi, I mean, I know Kenta would have, was in Ring of Honor a good amount kind of during his prime in Noah. And you'd see Mara Fuji come over a little bit as well. And, you know, you'd get guys going over there a bit sometimes. Like I know the Briscoes went over there and did one mat, one or two matches in Noah. Yeah, uh, I, I think Ring of Honor did a whole tour with Noah, I think. Yeah, wow. I think they did. Actually, BJ Whitmer, in fact, uh, he had a match with Go Shiozaki. It was like the ROH Anarchy in the UK was the oh, nice. show. Okay, I used your uh, your Honor Club to watch it before I'd had lunch with him. And uh, yeah, that was a hell of a match. But not that wasn't a Noah tour, uh, but yeah. a UK show that Shiozaki happened to be on. And they opened the show and it was a banger. Yeah, and um, speaking of matches, you want—I can't remember where. I think they wrestled a couple times, but Marafuji versus Dan, uh, Daniel Bryan. I've seen I mean, one of them at least. Yeah, it was yeah. also a no commentary match. Just like Jesus fucking Christ! I mean, it was—it was just so different from whatever what else was. I mean, TNA was pretty solid at this point, but it wasn't putting out shit like this. Yeah, um, and obviously WWF at that time was not—you know—has never been like this. No, you know, no offense. If that's your thing, hey, whatever. You know. And I mean, this yeah. style of wrestling certainly isn't for everyone either, which is fine. Like, there's been a few people that 
I've met through podcasting or just another good buddy of mine who I've gone to WrestleMania with back in the day. And, you know, he can get into some new Japan, but loves AEW and was always more of a WWE fan that like we show people these types of matches and I'm like, yeah, just not really for me. And it's like, you know what, that's fine. But this is like, I think for you, Tom, as well. And Bo, you said you enjoy sure. it, but like, I love just a nice fucking slug fest two meat mountains beating the shit out of each other like i could watch this shit oh yeah well week. when you see these guys and it's like what did you expect you know it's like yeah. you know, I, I i i see these guys and i think like oh yeah they're they're, they're not gonna you know like be like all like frog like like aj you know it's not gonna be this vertical thing it's gonna be very terrestrial and grounded and you know like like when you get your expectations set like that and i don't know like i i really kind of enjoy sort of matches like this you brought up sort of like the fighting game meter that's what it sort of is yeah. you know like slowly. Yeah, yeah i feel like that's just such an easy way to like make it make sense and it's such a different style of match like again these aren't the fastest paced matches in the world but there's always something going on and it's always building to something yeah. And just it was so well done. Let me just hit the finish real quick. It was basically right after one of those half and half suplexes. Kobashi had the sleeper hold on him and he slammed him into the suplex. And then we see the biggest show of emotion from Kobashi during the entire match. He lets out a big scream. Ah! And then Joe starts hitting him with punches and then multiple spinning back fists. And then he just bounces off the ropes, the big massive lariat. And that is that. But uh, yeah, one, just two, three, unbelievable stuff. Again, I, I take so many notes for these matches because we were talking earlier. Like I used to go more move by move, but that's just not as exciting. So it's like, oh, I'm just scrolling through. Am I missing anything else? Great, because I mean, it was all great. So many, it's just so brutal. Um, but any uh, any final thoughts from either of you here before we wrap up? And Tom, I want you to plug uh, all your wonderful content. Um, yeah, um, I thought I thought this was a lot of fun. You know, like I said, oh, this so, is the, yeah. Sorry, to, I do want to hear. So you'd mentioned it a bit ago that you thought the style Suzuki match was better in ring, but you enjoyed this better. Just talk to that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. No, I thought the the other one just kind of had more range and versatility in terms of like wrestling moves and things that could happen possibilities mm -hmm. in the match. And this was kind of a little bit more, more horizontal and flat, but sure. like, but it ran toward that instead of ran away from that. And I think it succeeded and it became entertaining because they just sort of embraced that in a narrative way. And uh, yeah, a little more one note for this, but boy, that note was fucking great. It was. Yeah. Tom, got any final thoughts? Yeah, I just, you know, I want to thank you. I mean, obviously I've heard this match and gave me an excuse to finally, to actually finally watch down and, and watch it. Yeah. Um, and it's for someone who's not very well versed in um, any kind of Noah or All Japan in really seeing, um, watching this match. And then you watch current day product and Kobashi's influence is just all over the place. Oh, yeah. Um, you no know, doubt. I mean, not in just in New Japan, but, I mean, you see it a lot of in PWG, obviously, Eddie Kingston. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Biggest example. His, you know, his style in, um, in Michael Elgin. Yeah. Um, when Michael Elgin's kind of doing this. Big um, Mike! Um, you know, uh, who I'll be seeing in six days and hopefully get to shake his hand. That's uh, an Australian self. Um, but, yeah, just <laughs> his influence, you know, of – throughout you know throughout wrestling and through this style you know obviously it's japanese strong style which has now been incorporated into american strong style 
accentuated by Ring of Honor. Yep. Um, well, I would he, love to send you some uh, old Kobashi, Noah, or All Japan matches if you're ever interested, because I got I, plenty of recommendations. I, you know, I definitely wouldn't say no. <laughs> there's so uh, many great tag matches between the four pillars. Like, there's one match in particular that's like 40-something minutes. It's quite possibly the best tag team match of all time, even though I still put Omega and Paige against the Young Bucks there for personal reasons, but uh, yeah, there's some there's some great shit. Um, Kobashi, Kawada, Tawe, Misawa, Akiyama, the list goes on. But uh, yeah, yeah, amazing stuff. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and part of me kind of kicks myself for not watching this when it happened or not being more in tune to wrestling. But hey, you know, hey. better late than never. Yeah, what you're gonna do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, well, why don't... Yeah, any, anyone I, I recommend it's all over the internet. Yeah, um, different versions. Um, I would definitely recommend watching without the commentary and just being in the match. Yep. Um, you know, and then try and find something like I did where you know they, they had you know piped in kind of piped in commentary, but I mean, you know, with Ian Riccoboni and Todd Sinclair giving some background later, but uh, yeah, just just the crowd. Um, Ring of Honor, I mean, their crowds are, are very, very loyal. Um, I'm not just saying that. Um, I mean, I've been to Ring of Honor shows all over the country. Um, but I mean, yeah, these guys were just showed up. I mean, it's a thousand people, so I was like 10,000. Yep. Um, no doubt about it. Well, great shit. Yeah. Um, why don't you plug uh, plug all your wonderful content here? Um, I don't know if I call it wonderful, but it's content. So it's, hey. it's something. Um, well, it's first great. Of so, the, the, so I've got like the, the four podcasts technically. Um, but the one that's not really under the marking out with high five Tom banner is the Midwestern wrestling roundup, which was uh, kind of the first thing you started doing with Chad and diesel, right? Years ago. Yeah. 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 So uh, Chad and diesel just had me before I didn't even have a computer or a laptop or anything. I would actually have to, you know, Chad have to call me. We'd have to record it on, on, on zoom. Oh, like wow. This. So over the telephone, you would do it over the telephone. Nice. Um, so that was kind of nice. So it kind of developed in, um, and that's really just putting over all the local shows. Uh, but I'm starting to expand my, my horizon, not just in shows, but I'm starting to have different promoters on. Um, nice. Last week I had my, my good buddy, Joe. Joe is one of the promoters for fourth wall wrestling where you guys have been. Oh yeah. That was, uh, that was Beaumont's first independent show. Yes. Um, and I have my good friend, Simon. He is part of frozen tundra. Uh, but the week before that I had this guy, I met through another podcast. Uh, Kevin Rogue, he's part of AWF oh, Minneapolis. He's yeah. on this show. He was who we did the first review with. I was not yeah. meaning to tell you if you knew him. Yeah. Oh, shut up. Really? Yeah. yeah we reviewed, yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, Bret Hart and British Bulldogs. So mm-hmm. he'll be the first interview on this. Yeah. <laughs> really? yeah, yeah, yeah. For real. <laughs> I've been meaning to, because I even asked him how close he was to Milwaukee, because I knew he was doing that up there in like Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. I just met him like again through Twitter. Like they yeah. liked our stuff. We'd share each other's content. And then I kind of got, I really enjoy his show, The Year of Duke and Rogue. Um, and I've mentioned earlier when he was on that I would listen to it as I would fall asleep. But I meant that as a compliment because yeah. it's such like a familiar, like they've become such a familiar voice. And I just love listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just started listening to the show a lot. He would DM us sometimes. We would DM him, and then I've just been talking to him a shitload just through Twitter. And he's a great dude. And uh, yeah, we brought him on. So uh, you oh shit, listen. yeah, yeah well, I literally had him had it on two weeks ago. <laughs> he's awesome, man. He's great hilarious. way, to, great way to circle back. You know, 
Yeah, Kevin Rogue. It's a, it's a small fucking yeah. He's actually on the Shining Wizards as we speak right now. Okay, oh, really? yeah, I wow. Knew he was I knew he was buddies with them. So yeah, um, he, he, man, he had like hundreds of wrestling figures. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. Dude, dude's legit. And that one sucked because I kept having internet issues, which I've never had before or since. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we powered through. Um, yeah, that's so funny that yeah, I didn't know that you were engaged with him, but I've been meaning to ask you. So yeah, that's tight. Wow, that's a small fucking world. Um, well, not yeah. so much in the wrestling podcasting community, but so no, but st- but still, I mean, you know, it, stuff like that just bog- boggles my mind. Yeah, that was the first time I'd ever met him, quote unquote, in person. As we've mm-hmm. said, it's just been yeah. all DMs, and I. Interestingly enough, I sent him the Kobashi Sasaki match that I talked. So he's one of the people I was talking about. It wasn't it's like, yeah, I get it, but it's just not really for me. So, you know, it is what it is. Sorry, I kind of hijacked your mm-hmm. plugging here. You no, man, that, that's hilarious. But yeah, Kevin yeah. Rowe, great dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I will D him um, shortly after this. Um, yeah. yeah. And then before that, I had uh, some friends at BFR. Uh, Joey from he's running his first show down in St. Louis which I'll be going to on Saturday. And then uh, this week I'm having my very good friend, uh, Trent Zaburi. He is one of the main promoters over for AAW, which I'll be at on Friday. Nice. Um, so I'm really kind of expanding that Midwestern. I mean, yeah, I, I do the write-ups, but I'm just trying to get, you know, this, this all out there. Yeah. I mean, sure. that's cool. Cause I know you used to kind of just list the shows, but to actually have promoters and other people on that's yeah. just oh, another, yeah. another aspect. No, but, so, yeah. but that's really, you know, great for them, you know, just yeah. to like, yeah. Have that dimension, yeah. um, and and that's that's all it's it's all it's for. It's really just to put people over. Um, but then my my other mainly week weekly uh, podcast uh, is under the marking out with high five time banner. That's my Ring of Honor Reverie, uh, where we me and my good friend Will shout out to Will. Uh, we are going over Ring of Honor TV from 2012, yeah. uh, week by week, um, including any pay per views and everything. So that's really kind of. Um, you know, make a long story short, I didn't get into Ring of Honor full time till 2017. So this is, and I'm almost in 2012, but this is kind of a good chance to kind of review um, Ring of Honor itself and kind of get myself more familiar with it. And then um, the other podcast I have, it's like a showcase. I showcase um, like movies, um, albums, and do deep dives. Uh, Wednesday is dropping a, a good three and a half hour review I did with Graham for the movie Die Hard. Oh wow! Oh, nice, <laughs> greatest Christmas movie of all time. And not a Christmas, not a Christmas movie. movie. Yeah. Totally a Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> but we've already been through that. It's got Christmas music through the entire movie. <laughs> we we don't need to get into it again. Man, yeah, I don't want to get in. I don't want to get into it with you. Let's. Yeah, we do. One. Yeah, we do. You tell that. You tell that, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> that um, now we're gonna all, have to beep it. Oh, we're, 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 we're gonna have to beep the name of the deli that I talked about in the beginning. Yeah, that I wait for an hour. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have some we have, we have censorship abound in this episode, everyone. Uh, and then um, chopping it up, right? Which uh, we would love to be yeah, a part of. Which, yeah, which is definitely gonna happen sooner or later. But yeah, I just get different people on. Um, you know, podcasters. I have my buddy John. He's a streamer. I have my buddy Mike. He's a semi-pro. I'm a semi-pro baseball player. Uh, my my buddy Greg was a wrestler. So um, yeah, I mean, I have a feeling the Brain Buster Boys origin story will be told soon on that. So yeah, and, oh, yeah. and uh, the, the other two, they kind of I don't want to say come out sporadically, but they kind of whenever I do them, I do them. Yeah. But the other two are weekly. Yeah. So 
I do have some kind of consistency. And I've listened. It's been a minute, but I I listened to like the first three Ring of Honor referees, and then I've just kind of picked random ones from there. Yeah. So I need to get back into it. But yeah, love love the recaps because it's again, I'm not seeing any of that shit unless mm-hmm. it's like a specific match, probably from a pay per view that I saw was right. good. But and you know. I know who all the people are, of course. Like it's all all the classics, so it's just cool to kind of hear what they were doing back then. Because again, yeah. I had no, didn't follow it at all. So yeah, great, yeah, and, great um, shit. Shout out to our good friend, my brother in positivity, Justin. So Justin uh, of Justin Time Podcast, yes. who I met from my good friends Brett and Beaumont. We are actually next month doing a week by week review of the 2016. NXT Cruiserweight Classic because I have not seen it. Wow! No, that's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, Justin, I see. So yeah, that uh, we're recording next Tuesday. It'll probably drop next Wednesday or Thursday. So that's yeah. awesome. Are you doing the whole tournament? Yeah. That's exciting. There's some great shit in there for sure. Yeah, uh, I've never seen it, and I'm not even entirely sure I know who wins. So uh, wow. So I'll tell yeah. you the first. No spoiler, but the it has the first Gargano versus Champa match, which is overlooked, underrated, and very good. Yeah. Obviously, Kota Ibushi and Cedric Alexander. Really, just having Kota Ibushi and Zack Saber Jr. Like that's when I discovered those guys. Because again, I was yeah. only WWE, and it was 2016. No shock. I got into New Japan in 2017, and both those guys were. Abushi making his G1 comeback, but ZSJ making his first G1. So that's awesome. Well, I look forward to that. That was a an awesome tournament. And one of the cooler things WWE really did in that. I mean, that was the first time they were kind of working with other companies yeah. to some degree. And if uh, another one that's underrated NXT is that um, that first UK title tournament that they did. Mm. Well, six months yeah. later. I only saw the final. Uh, it was Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate again, right? Yep. But, um yeah so good and if you ever listen uh, so um william regal had like two weeks to put that together too yeah he's so it's man. like oh yeah can you do this like oh okay yeah sure oh you know so um yeah so it's so looking forward to that so yeah a lot of shit coming on so but um but yeah and obviously more importantly um thanks to you guys for having me on obviously of course so. hopefully we'll be seeing you truly in the flesh in about two months yeah, hard work. Like two months in a day for Forbidden yeah. Door, which uh, we will be doing our damnedest to get tickets for soon. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll talk off air, but we'll get something together. So yes, thank sir. you guys. Tom, for thank us. you yeah, again. Always a pleasure. Always a great time. Thanks. And uh, we look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.